0: A pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars, scads. I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million albums. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish. that every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. that every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish it feels just like this. It feels just like this. I had a time machine, wish I had a better rhyming speed, wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lime bean.
1: Hey cats
0: and kittens
1: and welcome to another episode of the debrief. I am your host Brianna Joy Gray and it has been all together too long. I've missed you guys. Ugh. I told myself I could have a little bit of a break. And by a break, I meant I was going to quit one of my three gigs, and this was the one. But, you know, I've told you this before, and it is entirely true. Ooh, am I muted on YouTube? Hmm. You guys, can you guys on YouTube tell me if I'm actually muted or if people are just messing with me? But, you know, this was, in fact, my favorite. And the thing that makes me feel most... Moored and makes me have a sense of whether I'm going in the right direction or if, you know, what I'm talking about is useful. And there's been some pretty big action-packed uh, episodes on the bad faith front lately. Uh, we obviously today just talked to Chris Hedges. Before that, it was Cornell, uh, no, Jammu Baraka, and before that, it was Cornell West. The topic of 2024 obviously is front of mind with the announcement. Of Cornell West's candidacy. And you can hear, I saw some of you say on Patreon in the comments, and this was like the most optimistic you've ever heard, uh, Chris Hedges sound, which is hilarious. And I think sort of true. Um, for better or for worse, I think with the options that are now presented in the 2024 space, people are feeling engaged in a way that I couldn't have anticipated frankly, before this, it's also been really wild times on the internet ever since, uh, Robbie and I interviewed RFK junior last Friday. If you haven't watched that interview in full, it's over at rising. It was posted in full, I think this past Monday after we put out clips on Friday and over the weekend. And I would recommend watching it beginning to end, including obviously not the most important thing, but, uh, Uh, and answering a question about whether or not he is a Trekkie. And of course, we've gotten to the aliens news, which has been top of mind for some reason and really um, gripping public attention in a way that I I find to be um, kind of fun. Uh, We actually had a really great guest on Rising today, who is a Harvard um, uh, scientist who studies well, I think he generally speaking as an astronomer, but he's currently in a boat, I think, off the coast of South America where an astro or an object, I should say, an interstellar object struck the ocean back in 2014. And they're using a giant magnet dredging along the bottom of the ocean to collect these Um, Alloy, spherical alloys, which he thinks are some indication that they could potentially be life elsewhere that made them. He thinks it's potentially some kind of probe. So he showed us around his his ship and showed us the materials that he was using to do this investigation. Everyone wants to talk about aliens. Everyone wants to talk about the bottom of the ocean. That was a story that combined both. Of course, the Ocean News is um, the uh, group of five men who were declared officially lost today. Um, in the ad hoc um, homemade, home engineered ship that was used to go and uh, allow some very wealthy individuals to go look at the ruins of the Titanic. Um, That story, for some reason, has really captured myself included. I'm not it's not judgment has really captured the public attention for a lot of reasons. I'd love to know how you feel about that. For those who are new, this is a call in show. You can call in and ask questions, get in the queue if you go over to the call in app and follow the show called The Debrief. I will take your questions there. Normally I do not live stream it, but I've been trying to experiment to see if I can get a double bang for my buck and see if I can get some YouTube engagement up. So if you don't already subscribe to Bad Faith YouTube, please do Please feel free to help out independent media by clicking the like button on this video and others that you might have had a glimpse of. And if you want to listen to the full episode with Ajamu Baraka and any of our full Premium Monday episodes, you know you can go to patreon.com slash badfaithpodcast and subscribe. I see the queue is queuing. Lysol, you're up first. Let me know what's on your mind. (laughs) Bree! How you doing?
2: Doing good. How you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you. Let me turn you up a little bit if I can.
2: So the the folks on Colin have been dying to know if this absence had anything to do with contract negotiations.
1: Contract negotiations for what?
2: With Colin, since he got bought by Rumble. That's the main theory of your absence.
1: Oh, no. So some that, that is related. So I had a talk with the Colin people, and they are basically wanting – I think if not all of their shows and some of the shows to consider moving over to Locals. I am not entirely sure if I want to commit to that. Locals is largely video; it's more of a video platform than Colin is. And part of the appeal of Colin is to be able to do it without all of this preparation and cameras and lighting and stuff that I've propped up here today. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What should I do?
2: Well, I mean, so, I mean, it's the type of rumor that is kind of like festered in your absence. Uh, the only person, I mean, I think they said Aaron Maté has completely stopped using Colin and that's the theory why he doesn't use it. Sabby said she was getting paid something like 25 or $50 an episode.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so that's, that's what they want. They want us to move over to Colin. I think the app entirely is going to go. Well, I shouldn't say that. I was under the impression that it was going to go away and that if not locals then we're going to have to figure out another place to go which is another reason that i'm interested in simulcasting it um yeah i don't know it is related to the change but i don't it also just happened to correspond with me needing a little bit of time so i'd be interested to know what the community thinks my understanding is that locals is a subscriber service and i'm a little bit meh about you know creating something else that someone you know that you guys have to pay money to use Although I was told that you could do like the first part of the episode free and then the second half would be behind the paywall. I don't know. It just felt like a lot. And I haven't – I truthfully, I just haven't thought about it very much since I had the call with the locals people or from with the call-in people maybe a couple weeks ago.
2: Ah. I was wondering, would you consider Twitter spaces at all? I feel like the only thing Colin has that that doesn't is a chat function.
1: Uh, potentially, I, I think that the issue with Twitter is that there's so many people on there. <laughs> um, I, I, it will be different. You know, there are a lot of people who are going to be, not necessarily the best faith of actors that I think will start to engage. I don't know if you've seen what my twitter timeline has looked like over the last 24 48 hours or so but i think we'll have to contend with people who are like not a part of the community that we've built here and it might change the dynamic somewhat but i'm open to trying it
2: ah. yeah it's it's funny and yet like so colin has grown on me to the point where i watch one of your episodes but i don't feel like i've finished watching it until i've talked to people <laughs> on colin about it so it's kind <laughs> of like we we've been hosting i've been calling it the, the bjg pushback society
1: <laughs> you guys have been doing some uh some call-ins on here on your own uh, shows
2: yeah um and uh, and uh me and uh me and a guy terry we debated uh covid on i think it was tuesday had a, a nice long three-hour debate any
1: what any resolutions
2: no <laughs> <laughs> well
1: that sounds like par for the course that sounds about right
2: yeah i mean we're we were able to find common cause in believing that long COVID's real. And I think we really made a point in kind of like long COVID and Vax injured, they're both people being left behind by the government and they deserve somebody to stand up for.
1: Yeah, it is confusing to me that there exists a cohort of people who I think is reasonably skeptical of the pharmaceutical industry and what they're being told on that front and also reasonably skeptical of government agencies and what they're telling you on that front, but are not at all skeptical of, of the possibility that government agencies might be downplaying long COVID risks when it would also fall upon the government ostensibly to, to provide some medical care for folks who are injured. So, I mean, you got to look at the incentives on all sides if you're going to have that kind of skepticism and ask yourself whether or not you're playing into a narrative that absolves the responsibility of any government, for, uh, the government of any responsibility for not having health care for people who might have long-term consequences of the pandemic
2: that they've declared is over. Yeah. Especially since the, the I mean, the, the side effects of both being vaccinated and long COVID are incredibly similar this. There's, there's just a lot of overlap in those communities, I feel. Mm,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I wish there were more solidarity between them. I wish there were, uh, but I was talking to a friend actually, who's a, a, a significant vaccine skeptic, but all but doesn't, you know, all but says that long COVID doesn't exist. And I was like, how can you think this way? <laughs> like, I don't, Okay, I just don't get how you can hold those things in your brain at the same time, but it happens.
2: Yeah. Those are so like – they're like, oh, Vinay Prasad should debate RFK. I'm like, that's like Tucker debating Hannity. Like, they have differences on things?
1: Uh, I don't know that that's true, actually. Vinay just wrote a whole piece uh, breaking down where he thought RFK Jr. was right and wrong. He did an a episode about it a while back, a few weeks back, maybe a month or so back, where a lot of Vinay Prasad's audience got very upset with him because he disagreed with RFK Jr. about vaccines at several points. Uh, So I don't, you know, I think he broadly credits the problems with uh, heavy metals in our environment that RFK Jr. points out, but pushes back very strongly against concerns about childhood vaccines, especially now that mercury is no longer in them, and there just isn't evidence to suggest that there's any connection, any correlation, or whether there's any science behind a a causal mechanism.
2: Yeah. I mean, for my money, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get a hold of Novavax because it actually has preventative, um, preventative elements that help with, uh, it helps prevent against infection versus just severe disease. And it's shown to be pretty versatile across different, different variants. So I'm I'm not
1: sure if I know what Novavax is.
2: It's the, um, it's the, the nasal, the nasal one. It's not an mRNA vaccine. Mm. You, uh, you, you, um, inhale it, I guess through your nose so it's, some people have, uh, have found benefits from it, but of course, the government won't authorize more more shots for folks. Mm. So I'm not necessarily on the mRNA train anymore, trying to get some of that new stuff.
1: <laughs> All right, well let us know how it goes, Lysol. It's
2: really nice to hear from you. Richard, sure. Oh, oh, real quick, there's one issue I want to I want to get your opinion on. It was a couple weeks ago. Do you think that Baby Gronk rizzed up Livy and now he's the drip king, or is Livy using him for
1: What are those words? <laughs> What are those words?
2: You don't? Okay. Bless you. You're another millennial. Those, I, I was, I, my, my <laughs> partner, my partner just ignored me for a, a day because I kept saying those words. So Baby Gronk is like a 10-year-old pro athlete, and mm-hmm. Livy is a LSU gymnast with a nice ass, and the Drip King is a football player who wears makeup, and his last post said, I'm not the Drip King because the real Drip King is Jesus. Okay. W- and so okay. Rizzing Riz- is using charisma one of my favorite short uh short yeah names.
1: i know what riz is
2: yeah so that was just kind of that was the sentence and the fact that it was just like none of those words made sense to uh millennials made me kind of gleeful so i just kept saying it over and over again.
1: <laughs> right well i'll have to look into that lizo Things were calling in
2: yeah for sure keep the faith
1: keep the faith for those who don't know, I do one from the front of the line, one randomly selected from elsewhere. So if you're in the back, sit tight. I'm going to go to Grace next. But before I hear from you, Grace, I'm going to read this comment on the screen. Love the show. Hope you listened to some Celine Dion today. I haven't, but maybe that is a good idea. All right, Grace, what's on your mind? Long time to chat.
3: Hey, I'm so excited that you're back. Um, I, yeah, I've been thinking about your Cop City episode. Mm. Um, and I've been waiting for Colin just, (laughs) just for it, but I wanted to just thank you so much, first of all, for covering that topic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a pleasure. You know, the whole strategy of having a show sometimes feels like you're trying to figure out how to get people to take their vegetables. Um, and it's a bit of a spoonful of sugar, uh, strategy, and it does feel like when you do a heavier episode like that and one that isn't as punchy or talking about, you know, election season or what is Trump doing or something like that, it can get a little lost in the weeds. So I was so personally glad to have that particular panel come together um, as quickly as it did. I care a lot about that particular issue. I see the ratcheting up of criminal penalties and the use of domestic terrorism laws to um throw the book at folks as something that portends, uh, I don't know, I don't know, it's overused, but fascism. It feels as though the closer, the more obvious it is that there's no political off ramp from the problems, whether it's the climate, whether it's uh, mass incarceration, whatever, the lo- the larger the gap gets between what majorities of people want and what Congress is willing to do, the more people are going to turn to protest activism and crimes against property. And they know that. And that is why they are making it basically, um, terrorists. You're, you're it's a federal crime. It it's, you're potentially going to spend the rest of your life in jail for doing things that are even like protected speech actions, like flyering leafleting mailboxes, or even attending a concert as what happened in Atlanta.
3: So. Yeah. And I guess I think their week of action is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, this next week isn't it yeah and i'll be very curious to see um what comes out of that and i think they're gonna get they just announced that they're i guess they have two months to do a ballot referendum on it um Mm. but i'm wondering if that will stop you know that will stop it because i i watched when those 15 hours of public comment um when they held them there all night Mm -hmm. i just got sucked in and was like yeah feeling all of the the full spectrum of emotion and like cheering everyone on um, from afar. But it's just, um, you know, it's one of those examples where you're like, it's so clear that there is no say from the people whatsoever because they're very clearly against the whole entire project. And I feel like it's something that the whole country needs to know about just because one, police departments all around the country are going to be, you know, trained there. Um, And... Yeah. And two, they're going to start using the same exact tactics. Um, You know, I mean, we have like smaller scale and it's not domestic terrorism, but in Asheville, there's um, where I live, there's felony littering charges. And we just had 45 press freedom organizations have spoken out against like journalists were charged for doing their jobs here. Um, Mm. You know, once you start to take away, um, you know, kind of all the civil rights are being pulled, pulled back. Um, especially around the First Amendment. And I think that's probably, you know, the new tactic. I agree about the overuse of the word fascism. But if this is not, if this is not fascism, what is and the irony that it's like, it's also not, you know, it's not just Republicans, as you know, right. everyone gets all ramped up about that. Right. Um, so yeah, I really hope that you keep following up on that, too, because I try to look up I try to, you know, I look up like C- I mean, CNN is based in Atlanta, right? They're not mm-hmm. even covering it.
1: Um, yeah, unsurprising. Yeah, yeah, I I haven't heard, you know, apart from following so many of the cop city activists, I probably wouldn't see as much in my timeline. I do see Mary Williamson talking about it and tweeting about it, and I have seen in the in the past, Cornell West, I brought it up in the episode, um, but other than that, it's hard for me to tell because they don't watch cable on a regular basis, but I haven't seen much about it more broadly. Well, yeah, as well, specifically,
3: so. I, I don't watch that either, but I just wanted to see like, you know, whenever there's a story that I'm interested in, I'll see what the mainstream coverage is of it. Um, there was like, you know, I think the daily did an episode on it a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been definitely like pretty blacked out by the media when it's a, uh, just such a huge story. And you know, I think we're all sitting here three years after the uprisings and that the audacity that they'd be like, you said, give police more training here, <laughs> you know, yeah. is so wild. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, um, I appreciate that. And also I, I'm definitely excited to see what Cornell um, brings to the table in this. I think like the only way that anybody is going to be able to if, if people are still even into electoral politics, um, I think, you know, just, um, you know, separating yourself from the two party system is going to be kind of the only way to build trust with people who keep seeing the same thing happen over and over again with the exact same results.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I am I, hearing that loud and clear. I appreciate hearing from you, Grace. Yeah, thanks. Have a good day. You too. Keep the faith. I'm going to you next Chris. I'm going to read off the screen. Someone Carpe Diem says Cornell West, Matthew Hoad, 2024. Thank you for your comment Carpe Diem. Chris, what's on your mind?
4: Hey, what's up? Um, long time no talk. I know, have you been? <laughs> I've been good. I've been, you know, working i've been on like i've been outside as the young people call it <laughs> had a couple vacations so i'm kind of like settling back i got another one coming up next month so that's good i'm going to puerto rico but right. Wait a minute.
1: you just had two vacations and now you're going on a third next month
4: yeah yeah next month
1: you just you're just you're just having a i'm trying
4: to, i'm trying to, I'm summer trying to what's just- happening uh hot wait, what <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh, that was like two years ago so i don't think it's hot girl summer it's outside now
1: outside oh, excuse is, like, me.
4: Green, sorry <laughs> <laughs> is not
1: talking about it as outside also like a pandemic-y two-year-ago uh 2020 kind of a way of thinking about things uh yeah well it's a little different because we really couldn't be
4: outside so even though people were outside yeah. it, it was very now it's like it well from the government and everyone else everyone's saying it's cool to be outside so now it's kind of like you're kind of making up for those two years you were like locked down so I guess that's kind of like the theme of like I'm outside
1: Mm -hmm. okay well I'm happy (laughs) for you Chris so what's what's going on with you what's in your mind
4: um I wanted to talk about um RFK and Cornell West um with uh RFK um I think the more he talks on my end, the less interesting he seems. Like to mm-hmm. me he he seems like a standard democrat with a uh I guess that has like a anti corporate message, I guess. What but, what
1: specifically? What what things have you said that have upset upset you specifically? Um one in
4: particular was uh the his comments on Medicare for all and I think he's kind of like flip-flopping because I think he's starting to realize he's not where I think the left or like people who are supported the the people on the left who are supporting him wants him to be. Mm-hmm. So I remember when he did the breaking points thing and Crystal asked him about it at first, he was kind of like when she asked about Medicare for all, he was just like, well, no, I support a free market and I don't, you know, I don't really got a problem with problem insurance. And then I think when he got to you guys and you talked about it, it was more so, well, I think the best option would be the, you know, the public option, which then can transition as to a Medicare for all. And it's like, that sounds cool though but like there's a lot of problems i I remember aoc was on the breakfast club kind of talking about a little bit about like how it probably will be better to just do medicare for all as opposed to the public option because what the insurance companies would do was basically kick all their old and really sickly people off and then put them on to the public option you know kick them off their insurance so they would have to go there which would make it more expensive and if his whole goal Was to, um, I think try to make it only 8% of people's incomes. I think that's what he said on your guys' thing. I think.
1: Yeah, I'm actually trying to pull up the clip now if I can find it, um, because I do think. You know, people have their thoughts and feelings about his position on positions on vaccines, and it takes up a lot of space. But one of my main goals in that interview was to do what I think Crystal also did was Mm -hmm. to get him on the record on some of the left priorities. And there's some real irony with some not you, of course, but some leftists who are like oh, how dare you talk to RK Jr. and It's so bad in RK <laughs> oh Jr. God, but it's like, I weird. teed it up for you. like To the extent yeah. that you want to make the criticism that he's not really a leftist, here's all of this material for you to get into. And there's, I don't know, a, a surprising lack of interest, I think, in some of that. Yeah, um, yeah go ahead.
5: Well, no,
6: uh, yeah, that's kind
4: of what, um, that. that's one of the things that kind of like threw me off. I mean, obviously his stance on Israel, which is very weird. And I think, some yeah. honestly, I think it's, 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 he's full of shit on that one. Like that comment he made about like how, oh, I think, um, I forgot what podcast he on, what well, he was on, but he was saying that, um, Israel, when they, you know, when they kill Palestinians and Palestinian children, it's not on purpose. I'm like, come on, you can't be that. You can't yep. be that. Not, that, that, I'm sorry. You, that, that just sound like, yeah, the, 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 um. Israel and the APAC kind of started getting to him. And I'm pretty sure people in this camp were probably talking. was like, hey, you got to clean this up because they are a force. And then the one thing they can do, especially with him, because he's a white male, I think it's easier for them to slab the anti-Semitism on him, even though if he did just have like a standard kind of like, uh, well, I would say, well, more so like a leftist position is more so. It's just like, yeah, Israel is not; they're not innocent in all this at all. So it's like, and you should, like, you should be able to speak about the abuses that Israel are committing on the Palestinians without it, without you being labeled an anti-Semite. But of course, that's kind of the rhetoric
1: that that, that happens
4: with that. And it kind yeah. of,
1: ha- yeah, mm-hmm. no. I, yeah, I think that that is. Um, we talked about that at length. So I don't. The only reason I didn't belabor that point with. Uh, Chris Hedges and why I'm not going to believe it here is because we did talk about it for about half of the Cornell West interview but I do uh, agree with you there I was going to try just to play a quick clip of this uh, moment about Medicare for all in the debate if I can let yeah, me know if this sounds okay Okay. well that's not it <laughs> well, it's not working at all Uh why does that not sound like sound That is so odd. All right.
6: <laughs> okay.
4: All
1: right. I try. Oh wait, this is why. This is why.
6: Okay.
4: And they
1: start a new business. And of course, Medicare for all was, was such good. an animating force of the last two Bernie campaigns, and really galvanized a lot of previous non-voters uh, and disgruntled Democrats into a movement. You said in a recent interview that you were for Medicare for all in theory, but that you found it—I um, believe it was something along the lines of uh, politically uh, unlikely. Some, something of that fact. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but it strikes me that some of the other things that you've been fighting for. I think, really valiantly, like cutting the military budget, taking on the military industrial complex, are also things which will face intense pushback um, from the blob, from these deeply entrenched, very well-funded industries. Um, and, and that being said, given the obstacles to fighting the military industrial complex, what do you say to progressives who are disappointed that you don't seem to have that same uh, urgency with respect to health care, which is repeatedly ranked as such a significant concern for Americans, and Medicare for All in particular, which 88% of Democratic voters support?
7: yeah well, let me answer both uh, all of your questions. you know one is just from a practical standpoint, Brianna, the the uh, in terms of cutting the military budget, um it's easier for a president to do than passing a national health care program and and a lot of those cause that you know the president can do on his own without that much cooperation from Congress. um so, And that's why I think it's a, of course, you're, you're challenging vested interests that are as powerful as the pharmaceutical industry and the, you know, the medical cartels. But it's an easier thing. The the president does not need to get, you know, uh, uh, 51 senators and uh, 250 congressmen on board. So, and then, you know, with Medicare, look, I watched my uncle and fought with him for 50 years trying to get national health care through and so and I you know I'm very conscious of kind of the deadlock that he reached and I am you know if, if it were up to me I would say we should have Medicare for all right now the, the current way of, fund, of funding Medicare is not worth of funding health care in our country it is dysfunctional. Um, I, what I would advocate is a or is a public option option which goes which will lead ultimately into Medicare for all if it but but give people individual choice. I'm somebody who is for personal freedom for personal choice. And I think the public option is more consistent with that belief. And if we can make a public option, a public option that, for example, I would charge a maximum of 8% of, of people's income rather than the 20% that they're paying today. If we can make that option, work, and if we can make it attractive to Americans, you will naturally evolve it into Medicare for All. But you'll do it through a process of choice and evolution rather than, uh, than imposing it on people with a lot of hostility, which is just practically impossible to do, as you probably understand. And as I understand because I was involved in the healthcare care battle for, for so, so long. Well, can you speak specifically to what you think? Yeah, need. I think we th- need to think because we acknowledge these deadlocks, acknowledge these practical obstacles, and we have to think in terms of ways to unify Americans in in ways that will reduce the overall cost of healthcare. The healthcare cost now in this country of 4.3 trillion, That, that is far higher per capita than any other country on earth. We pay much more than anybody, double or triple what people pay per capita in Europe or Canada, and our healthcare outcomes are 79th in the world. We're behind Mongolia, we're behind Cuba, we're behind Costa Rica and healthcare outcomes. And one of the problems, one of the reasons for that, probably the principal reason, in fact, the principal reason is is chronic disease epidemic. We have the highest burden of chronic disease of any nation in the world. Why is that? Why can't we eliminate it? We know that it comes from environmental exposures. Why are we doing the science to identify what those exposures are and to eliminate them? That will eliminate a, a huge chunk of our healthcare costs and give us a lot more elasticity and flexibility in the way that we allocate those costs to, you know, to uh, different actors within the system, which is really what you're doing when you switch from HMOs to, you know, to Medicare for
8: all.
1: Hmm. Okay, Mr. Kennedy, I do think I do. So,
8: yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, for one, my understanding is preserving private insurance creates, put the seeds of Medicare for all's destruction into the mix. And it basically you in a place where you're not disempowering the middlemen the private health insurers and the pharmaceutical industry sufficiently to make it stick and moreover you are diminishing the pool that you need to actually bring down costs that that was my understanding of it from the bernie campaign and moreover while I think it's perfectly fine and good, actually, to want to pay more attention, I know he's an environmental lawyer, <clears throat> to the presence of heavy metals and other toxins in our atmosphere, in our environment and atmosphere that may be contributing to chronic illness and the like, that's not a substitute for the financial problem that is the high cost of health insurance. You're not going to make... Everybody that's sick, healthy tomorrow. So the Mm -hmm. question is, what do you do about the moral issue that in the richest country in the history of the world, we have something called medical bankruptcy because we put a price tag on your ability to stay alive. And if you're poor, you are less likely to be able to get interventions simply because you don't have as much money and a right to live apparently as somebody
9: else.
4: Yeah, and I think that's like a huge thing with me and with everything. So like his explanation as to like why I guess is to, if let's just say he gets, in a, in, a, in a world he gets elected and everything like that obviously he has to deal with he has to deal with congress he has to deal with all the things he's going to have to so if the public option is the only way that could be seen fit i guess i can like you know i can kind of stomach that a little bit but it it it's kind of like raising the points that you're, you're talking about it's just like it, are you are you really dealing with the like the private insurance and i know that uh, breakfast, I believe I'm pretty sure it was a Breakfast Club interview with AOC, and she one of the things she said was that ins- private insurance would kick they're more sickly people off mm-hmm. and then obviously they would go to the public option because that's the only health care that mm-hmm. that that would take them on mm-hmm. which would then increase costs because obviously sickly people and older people have more medical costs than younger fit people which may bring back what the idea of a mandate Cause you got a mandate because it wasn't that the whole thing with the yep. uh, ACA was that's exactly that, right yeah so and it's like and that was the huge reason for why the public option wasn't the best course of option just because if you don't do or you don't have if you don't set any laws or anything that's like geared towards like what private insurance will do because yeah obviously they're going to want to save some money on the thing so of course they they have no problem kind of like kicking like p- older people or people who are a little bit more sick and then i also think about like i mean i'm just thinking about this now but like i have insurance through my employer but it fucking sucks mm-hmm. like, and I'm, I'm not a sickly person or anything like that at all mm-hmm. but if i could save myself maybe the extra three hundred dollars that gets taken out of my check for that stuff kind of stuff then shit that, that that gives me just a little bit more wiggle room to move now obviously with taxes and everything it'll probably increase so it wouldn't necessarily be you know I wouldn't get that like $300 back though but it still would be like I think it would be a little bit more feasible so
1: yeah
4: that's just kind of like my my two cents on it
1: yeah i'm 100% with you on that chris
4: mm-hmm. all right um one last question i don't it doesn't have to be um it doesn't have to be corn now cuz i'm pretty sure someone's going to ask about corn now but um what is up with like liberals in there like their 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 whole shtick of they don't feel as though they need to argue their points anymore and people should just accept what they believe.
1: Okay, what are you specifically thinking um, about when you ask that question, so
4: Chris? I'm, I'm, I'm asking uh, particularly, like, everything that's been going on with R. K. and far, as far as, like, the anti-vax yeah. and debating and things like that. Like, that kind of thing and this whole thing on Twitter about, like, the, everything that happened with Joe Rogan was, like, to me, it was really weird, but it also kind of... It, it seems like, for me, that they're not confident in their arguments, in their points, and everything that they make. So they talk as though, like, oh, we're right, we got science on our side, this and this person's stupid as that. Mm-hmm. But it's like someone's calling you to task. It's like, why would I debate this person? Why does scientists need to, I'm like, wait, 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 Like, you, so like, are, are, is this person an idiot and a cop and a kook and everything like that? And you're the smartest person in the world or are you just kind of scared? And I guess what everything, what happened with like hotels and shit like that, it was kind of like, I think everything he's done, he's like, I don't mean to call him out his name, but it's kind of pussy. <laughs> Especially considering y- Chris, the shit you talk. I'm
1: sorry, I don't I'm mean sorry, to call him like, out of his name, but that motherfucker. But <laughs> I mean, t- it's, t- pussy. <laughs> it's pussy.
8: I'm sorry. It's
4: like He started to smoke. It'd have been completely different if um, he just... Uh, it'd have been completely different if he wasn't on Joe Rogan podcast and he didn't comment on specific the specific Joe Rogan podcast where he was interviewing RFK saying that this is crazy, this is stupid and everything like that. And then when the dude was like, okay, well, how about we set this up and let's just hash this out? And yeah. it was like, then you ran, like, so, okay, then you 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 got scared or maybe he didn't get scared, but maybe he just felt as though he didn't need to do that. Yeah. But then... Right after that challenge, you go to Media Son, you go to CNN, you go to all your little boys to back you up and put you a battery in the back. So like, Hey, you don't need to debate this guy. This guy's a kook. This guy's whack. You're smart. You are you put your little lab coat on just to really show that you're a scientist, which is <laughs> fucking weird. And another thing in general. And trust me, I do get the the whole, the dude pulling up to his house and everything like that. Like mm-hmm. that's just weird. And that, that was so unnecessary and ridiculous, but it still was like, at what point, do you guys actually believe in what the fuck you're saying? Because I don't see, I don't think there's any, there's any downside to debating RFK. Um, unless you you feel as though you can lose or, or so, you're just not confident, and, or maybe you just can't speak as eloquently and you're not a politician. So you're a little bit more, You're not, I guess, like, as far as, like, a debate and everything, like, things like personality, things like, you know, zings and zigs and stuff like that, I guess maybe that kind of accounts for stuff, but, like, I just, I don't know. So,
1: I know people feel very strongly about this, but Mm -hmm. I'm of the Nathan Robinson school of you should debate people, but you should be prepared. So, I'm not saying that people should walk, when there's an important subject, like this one is, I'm not saying you should just expose yourself to public humiliation, but I do think that you should debate and be prepared. Now, if what Dr. Hotez is saying is that he feels so unable to respond to RFK Jr. in a persuasive and informed way that under no circumstances, without any amount of preparation, despite him having all of the expertise in the world and RFK Jr. not being professionally trained in this field, he is unable Mm -hmm. to respond to his points then at very least, I think that he should recommend another scientist who can.
6: Mm-hmm. I mean, that
1: debate should happen. You know, I think there are other ways you could do this. You could do written responses and stuff like that, but it's not going to get as much reach as going on the most popular media show in all of humanity, or at least in, in English the English media, and going ahead and debating Joe Rogan. I think that I, you're right that it comes off as being unable to Respond because you don't actually have an argument. That's- and I think that what's really going on that most people aren't acknowledging is that when you're not face-to-face, you can mischaracterize your opponent yep. Yep. and also decline to engage with the more difficult points. So I have no doubt that RFK Jr. regularly overstates the risks of vaccines according to what science has proven. And I, right? I- regularly. Mm-hmm. in a way that might lead some people dangerously to forego vaccines that have saved millions of lives and kept kids across the country from dying of meningitis or polio or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, and that's the danger, too. But it's but it's also the case that when Mehdi Hassan has Dr. Hotez on, and Mehdi Hassan sets the question up as, All right, so we've got a (laughs) noted anti vaxxer who's now claiming he needs to debate you on Joe and Joe. It's like, okay, if you listen to RFK Jr. and you hear him say, I'm vaccinated. and kids are vaccinated. There's benefits to vaccines. But I have concerns about the mercury that was in these vaccines. And now that it's gone, I have concerns about aluminum and I have concerns about these other things in our environment. And I have concerns about the flu vaccines that are given to pregnant women that have mercury in them. Right. I hear that. And I may or may not agree with some of that but I'm not hearing anti-vaxxer, right? Like I'm hearing someone who just said, I believe in vaccines, I have them, but here are my concerns. So immediately, anything that Mehdi Hassan and Dr. Hotez have to say is like no credibility whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And if they were in the same room, I think that they would either measure, uh, moderate, mediate their language a little bit, or if they didn't, they would get immediate pushback, right? The same way that when Dr. Sanjay Gupta went on with Joe Rogan, And, and they were in the same room suddenly it became well maybe uh, maybe ivermectin or what have you isn't shown to help very much but no you're right it's not literally a horse to warmer mm-hmm. and you aren't literally a crazy animal medicine eater and people were wrong to characterize you that way right and you get you get a middle ground that's somewhere closer to the truth than what either side is really saying their most hyperbolic moments
4: yeah and i think the middle ground is the part that scares everybody because it's the part yeah. that RFK may be right about on on is the things that really get to his overall message of corruption and when capture of our political party. So the things he, yeah, so the things like metals, more metals being in the water and everything like that, yeah, they don't want to really, because then what does policy happen? And then if a scientist acknowledges something like that, then it it could lead people to go, well, why is there so much plastic in the water or so much metal in everything like that? In in our water and our food supplies and things like that. Yeah. That's the that's the big thing that I think which is the middle ground. So yeah. yeah and
1: this is what was so crazy. Like when I was engaging in this on, on the internet, what was wild to me? It's like here I am sitting fully vaccinated, <laughs> you know, like I made it to adulthood. I got my <laughs> you,
6: know, yeah.
1: you know, mandatory childhood vaccines. And and if I, I, I was heading home on the train. I was a last weekend mm-hmm. and I saw everybody's talking about the R F K junior interview. And I was like, well, you know what? He did say some stuff that I honestly wasn't prepared to respond to. Let me Google up on some of these vaccine claims. And so I'm reading, I found out a couple of things. And on the three hour trade, ride back from Philly, I'm like, okay, here's what I've discovered so far. And I tweeted some stuff out. Most of which was saying he's wrong about vaccines, right? I was like, well, the of vaccines don't have mercury in them. So I don't know why he's still talking about mercury. Somehow, those statements got me labeled as an anti-vaxxer.
4: Yeah, yeah. Me
1: literally explaining to folks why they should not be concerned about taking childhood vaccines got me described as an anti-vaxxer. Me pointing out that there are, and there is scientific research, peer-reviewed papers that indicate there may be some benefit in taking vitamin D to ward off the worst effects of getting COVID, hospitalization, et cetera, death, et cetera is a bunch of people saying, well, that's anti-vax. There's only anti-vax if you think someone's saying take vitamin D instead of getting a vaccine, D, which yeah. no one's saying. I'm certainly not saying it. Maybe somebody else is saying it, but I'm not saying it.
6: Yeah. So
1: you get these people who are so siloed and so triggered. Oh my God, these libs are so triggerable that if, you, if you even sound like someone who sounds like someone who's saying something that they don't like, that they're is- willing to deny that there are pollutants in the atmosphere pollutants in the water pollutants anywhere because to them they're hearing well if she says there's pollutants that means we shouldn't take a vax they're unwilling to acknowledge the health benefits of taking vitamins because oh oh my god she's saying if if vitamin d is good for you because it supports immune health then she's saying you don't have to get vaccinated they sound ridiculous
4: Yeah, this (laughs) is what i'm talking about is this 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 is kind of the synapses of what i'm saying is they feel as though They don't have to like debate or have conversations and then they just deny things just because it gives credence to something they don't like so it's it now it's anti-vax anti-vax is the big thing before then when it was ukraine you're a putin's puppet you're this you're that and it's just like it's a constant thing they all they look to dismiss something as opposed to just debate it or just address it full on with their arguments and with their talking points and they look so disingenuous like i said when they're saying things like, oh, there's not pollutants in the wa- Well, pollutants in the water aren't cause co- aren't causing, isn't a cause for autism and anything. And then it's this weird, this other thing that came up where it was just like, oh, well, what's wrong with people with autism? I'm like, why are you even bringing that to the fucking conversation? That was that so people? wild.
1: That was weird. That, that's, that's like weird. It was, was so weird. weird. And then there was like a weird joke, maybe death threat. <laughs> Let's hope it was a joke because we know Elon Musk doesn't care about banning anything other than people saying the word sis. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there was that weird guy I met once who popped out of nowhere and expected me to remember him, and also remember that he was getting a PhD in something germane to this subject matter. I mean, holy smokes, has it have been a weird twenty-four hours? Oi, <laughs> <sighs> oi,
4: Hey, I, I pray I pray for your mind, body, soul. Because, yeah, I know you've been. I know because it's people intentionally trying to misrepresent what you say. But that—that's all I got to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. No, I I appreciate it, and I'm glad you're seeing it because otherwise I would feel crazy as a bad bug.
5: <laughs> all right, Bray.
1: All right. Nice talking to you as always, Chris. Let me read a couple of these comments. I've been neglecting the YouTube neoliberal tears, my friend. Thank you. Love you, bestie. Rising has been so fire this week. It's an environmental hazard. LOL. Um, Axios Studios says, Love the show. Hope you, oh, that I read that one already. My bad. Listen to Celine Dion today. Um, K. Dot says, Who's this stranger? Why is she on my YouTube feed? I thought I left you on Colin. No, LOL. It's a simulcast, K. Dot. I'm sure you figure that out by now. Uh, Chris Deeson, Good job talking Medicare for All with RFK Jr. Thank you for that, Chris. Uh, and another one from Chris saying, Agreed, Bree. When you hear RFK Jr., you don't hear. Anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Like, again, I wish the scientists would weigh in because yeah, I'm sure there's more that's wrong that I can't even identify. Exactly. But instead of just saying it, they say things like, well, he's wrong. Don't debate him. And I'm like, okay, yep. can you help me understand why? And they're like, what? You're just asking questions? That's what the Nazis said. <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay. I like, you're, you're literally sc- – me that I'm not a scientist, so that I don't understand. And I'm like, yes, I'm not a scientist, so help me understand. Explain it to me. No, it's not my job to explain it it's to you. What do I look job. like? I'm you like, can oh. read a research paper. <laughs> there are plenty of research papers that
4: tell you you are wrong. You have no, right, even though you're, a, even though you have a show and you have a podcast, you have no right to answer questions. You're supposed to just sit and listen to what the fuck we
9: say.
1: It's crazy. That once that decision, I was literally. I had read this thing. I wasn't clear about this one statistical thing, and I tweeted what's going on here, and somebody tied this guy in, and he answered. I was literally composing a DM to him to ask if he was willing to come on the show and help me understand something. Mm-hmm. When he started tweeting, Brianna Gray is a dumb idiot moron. Who <laughs> I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> so to the extent that, like, I it is, it, I've been reaching out to people, and it's legitimately difficult to get the liberal quote-unquote on the good side of things guys to come or women to come on the show because they've decided out of hand that you're a bad faith actor and they don't need to explain themselves okay well i guess i'm just gonna have to put my history science degree to work and read some papers myself and you don't get to complain about non-experts controlling the conversation if you and hortet uh hote hotez i'm sorry i'm a, I almost him this man Hotep, and everybody else um refuse to debate refuse to have a conversation i don't need to debate someone on my show i just want to ask i literally want to understand
4: i think we could kind of see that that you were just trying to understand and you were putting things out there and you were clearly saying where you think rk like i literally saw a fucking post where a guy was like god i didn't know brie was an anti-vaxxer and then in the comment that you had you literally quote <laughs> i don't <laughs> <laughs> vaccine cause autism. But, like, it was just like, geez, like, it did. like, I mean, he got ratio because it was like, so you're just not gonna read past the part that you didn't like, like, it, but... It, and also, it's like, after COVID and everything that happened with the government and everything like that, I don't think people realize that you gave more air and more steam to anti-vaxxers or the anti-vax movement because of the response to COVID. Yeah. So, yes, you have to start talking about this. You can't just keep doing the same thing you did during COVID because people are pissed off and people were lied to or people were, there were a lot of definitive that were made. So you have to engage with this and liberals willingness to not engage with it. I just don't get it. I don't know. I don't
5: know. I don't know. Sorry. I don't don't get it
4: either.
1: If it's not Hotez, I hope there, I'm sure, I'm confident that one very credentialed virologist in all of America has the rhetorical skills and the chutzpah to step up to the plate. America (laughs) needs you Dr. X
10: show yourself
1: (laughs) all right bye bye chris all right i'm gonna read off the screen james stop thank you please do the media impression again maybe in a bit we'll we'll see we'll see if i'm so inspired um chris was from the front of the line i believe so i'm gonna hop around again uh rika what is on your mind tonight
10: Oh, my God. Yay. Bree, can you hear me?
1: <laughs> yes,
10: loud and clear. Oh, my God. I was literally, I was working and working, and then all of a sudden, I saw the debrief is going live, and I was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to this. <laughs> and I wait? It's been too long. I, I know. I missed, missed the debrief so, 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 so much.
1: I've um, missed you, too. What have you been up to? What's in your mind?
10: Well... I feel like there's been just so much content, so much yeah. juicy, juicy, good shit that's been happening from bad faith to uh what you've been doing on rising. So I just um I just have to first start off. I'm so, so happy about Cornell West running on the mm. Green Party. It like it just provided me some like relief. I'm like, good, I know who I'm voting for. Thank God. Mm. Thank fucking God. You know, because I was like really really struggling here and also it just like gives people discursively like another option Mm -hmm. you know to just like mentally be like okay we have another way there's another path it may it you know it's gonna it's a longer path whatever but we can choose this path and that's fine um i so i feel a ton of relief and i'm glad that you interviewed chris hedges and i'm glad to see that he is supporting cornell in this i i'm curious like one of my questions for you at least related to this topic was what is like one comms advice you would give cornell because i feel like my i think he's a good orator and like a really um bring him to church kind of sense he's really good at um Mm -hmm. bringing out like references to to, from like that could be applicable to particular communities that would get certain things but I find him sometimes a little too academic and I'm like, let's bring it down a notch. Let's bring it down.
1: Yeah. I do think that sometimes, especially now that you're in a political context, making the, all those allusions to poets and jazz musicians and writers and what have you can come off a little bit like a deflection from a question about policy. That's more specific and grounded.
10: Yes. Yes.
8: Uh, and I
1: know that he's just announced, and so I don't know, like maybe he hasn't gotten much in the way of his policy platform written yet. And so I'll give him like a little bit of latitude on that for now. But he needs to and – and I'll say this to RFK. This is true of RFK Jr. too. They're both doing this thing where they get questions that they clearly can't answer, and they'll say, well, thank you for bringing that up. I'll look into that. I'll take, you know, take that under advisement and people, especially with RFK are treating that like this is like a really benevolent, really a sign of openness, a sign that he's a great listener, a sign that he's really in touch with the people. And I'm like, that can fly a few times or it can fly if you're talking about something really esoteric that you wouldn't expect even a presidential campaign to necessarily have an opinion on, right? Like UFOs. OK, but if you get a question about healthcare, if you get a question about some of these Elon Musk like privacy issues, like I remember in that last um, Breaking Points interview, R.K. Jr. didn't seem to be aware of any of the inconsistencies with, of Elon Musk's moderation choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just saying, like, maybe if you're not following something so closely, don't refer to Elon Musk as a genius. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. You open yourself. like if you make a very strong statement about something then I would hope that you were informed. And then the excuse that like, Oh, you know, I, I need to look more into that. It starts to feel like, well, if you're willing to commit so strongly to this issue without knowing what you're talking about, why should I have confidence in any of the other things that you've committed to? How do I know that you've actually vetted these other issue areas? Mm-hmm. So I think sooner rather than later, Cornell West is going to have to change his rhetorical approach and start being a little more succinct, And to the point when he's answering policy questions,
10: one hundred percent agree. I one hundred percent agree. I I watched him on Laura Ingram like this Mm -hmm. interview, and I was like, "What I what I loved was that he was keeping the like his critique as part of his message of like the system, right? Like that's so important, Mm -hmm. but we gotta find." uh you you got 30 seconds bro to like answer this you know what i mean like it's we got to find a a way to make it so it's like you can say all that fewer sentences yeah and and then land what are you going to do for the people like land where the direction you're heading in you know
1: a hundred percent so you watched the Lori ingram's interview which means you saw the end of that interview
10: I kind of vaguely remember the end of it. Why? What was there like? was?
1: I thought that's maybe what you were gonna, calling to ask me about. He oh. got a question at the end of that interview, which um, let's all maybe just listen to it, huh?
10: Okay. Oh, is it about trans stuff? Oh
1: my god. Yep. <laughs> wow. Why, why, I don't want to. I know. Okay. You don't have to. You don't have to weigh in on it, Rika. I can go to somebody else, and we can talk about it with somebody else. Because oh it was, it's a it's a moment that some other people, I think, are going to also have to address. And so we might as well just figure out, as a community here in this safe space, what we want to do about oh it. God. What we want to do about it. Okay. All right. All right. You, you can play it. Okay, here we go. Wait a minute.
8: Do you think there are ways for for the uh, left-wing populace in the right wing or conservative.
9: Okay. Theological realignment is still operating. Down so no, you
8: know what I don't see. know your view on, Cornell. is your view on trans athletes in women's sports, because you are a big champion of women. We disagree on the abortion issue, but you are a big champion of women, right. and I appreciate that. I was a female athlete my day, ages ago. Um, but what yes, about yes, that? Yes. Do you think trans ma- men yes. who are biological men should you know, like be in the Wimbledon finals?
4: You know, I mean, I, my, I am committed to the dignity of precious trans folk because they're so vulnerable, and I just so women hate to women, see women them don't
8: have a shot
5: then. and attacked.
4: No, okay. but no, but but but, I, but I'm also willing to learn and listen in the argument because I think it depends on case to case and in context to context.
9: I
0: just okay. want to
8: make
9: sure that the most vulnerable are never ever. Women are trash.
8: vulnerable. Yeah, huh? women are vulnerable. Huh? Like huh? They're competing uh, against uh, and men and, women, women, and all right, Doctor West, come well, back. No, I mean, it's there great to have you.
0: But, but that's a issue. But well, you, we'll come back. Thank soon. you so much. You, great you
5: to see you strong. as always. All
1: right, you take that's care. Right. Work together.
5: Hey,
10: Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here
7: oh, to subscribe. Oh, it's his nose.
1: Sean Hannity, no. <laughs> Bad. Sit down. All right. Yeah. Rika, I- what did you make of that exchange?
10: I mean, I I think it it goes back to kind of your point earlier. Like you know, um, you kind of have to be clear about. What your stance is on this stuff, you know? And Do you think he was clear? No, I mean, I think I think he was I think he was clear, but I don't think he was taking a stance. Right? He was clear that he was like, I want to straddle some things here, and I want to not and want don't want to step in dog shit with trans people. That's that. That's what I was getting.
1: From. Is that a is that a place that one can occupy for very long?
10: No, 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 no. I don't think it is, but I don't, but I also think like, I'm, um, I, oh God. I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Rika. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
10: I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I think that it's like the, it's, you know, I, I, don't, I just don't care. I like, I, I, I'm like one of those people that that's like, Uh, let's get cornell and we'll we'll talk about it later like that's kind of how i feel about it personally but i i'm because because what i what i really wanted to talk about was was more of um the two episodes you had with you know around police abolition and Mm -hmm. with cop city like you had the interview i'm blinking on his name the um, scholar, Black scholar in Chicago. Oh,
1: Cedric Johnson.
10: Yeah, Cedric Johnson. And then you had Cop City that followed after, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a beautiful pairing, like in terms of the show lineup, um, one or the other. But a couple of things. One, I, I am so thankful you're co- you've like aired that panel because um, around Cop City, because the... Level of state repression that we're seeing and is just like insane, and I don't, I don't think people know about that. Yeah. I hate people about that, and it also kind of reminded me of a bunch of things that happened around all of the protests that erupted in Minneapolis when I was there, um, around ver- the various murders that happened with police and just how people would go after them and after the organizers and activists around that stuff. Um, And I think it's so incumbent upon us as anyone who's on the left or anyone who's an organizer and activist to be paying attention to that kind of stuff, just as like we should be paying attention to the Glacier decision that came down from the Supreme Court around strikes, right? Mm. Like anything that's like criminalizing our ability to protest and resist and giving them license means that we have to start thinking even more critically about how we're going to be um, our tactics, right. And what we're going to do in the face of that kind of violence, right. Because we we have to be prepared for that. And we have to be ready to maybe do things that are going to like potentially, I'm not advocating for a full out war like against. Oh us.
1: no, of course not.
10: No, nah, I'm not, but I'm just saying like, you know, we, the, the type of response that we're going to need to support people um, to prevent them from getting, uh you know um thrown in prison is just like for 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 simply protesting is is going to be even bigger like we had to mobilize so many people so many people so often who got arrested for civil disobedience actions just to prevent them from getting like you know i you know yeah charged with like felonies you know and yeah. it's just like it's it's insane and i hats off to all the people that are doing that work i just think that's so important but on a related note to that um, I don't understand how a leftist can t- sit here. I can understand how you can theoretically make an argument to support um, the maintenance of police, but I don't understand how you can consider yourself a leftist and still support police at this point. I just don't, I don't get it. And I'm wondering if you can help shed some light on that. Cause I, I
1: don't know either, Rika. <laughs> 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 that, that, that's, that's not my circus, not my monkeys or whatever. <laughs> like, okay, okay,
10: all
6: right. I don't,
1: I here. honestly don't, look, <laughs> so, obviously, there's this weird thing that's happening with the section of the left. I mean, it feels like it's kind of died down a little bit, honestly, since the whole Schmanus-Marshmarian situation over at TYT. Um, and But there was a number of commentators, many of whom I like a great deal, like Lee Fong um, and others, who have... <sighs> leaned into a narrative that says the left is indifferent to the harms that criminals, you know, violent people and the like, impose on communities, disproportionately black and brown communities are the victims of crime. It is, in fact, anti-left to not be interested in the public safety for those individuals. There's a lot of centering of immigrants. It's like identity politics doesn't matter until we're – Talking about an immigrant shop that gets vandalized, which right. somehow is right is different. It's like worse when an immigrant shop gets vandalized versus a native-born American shop. But I'm going to put that to the side for a second. I'm just pointing out aspects, like themes yeah. of the narrative that I've observed.
10: Yeah, no, it's it, it, that was the same same discourse that erupted after in Minneapolis around the George Floyd uprisings that happened, and it was re, it was it was clear what they were trying to do. I just, I, I, and, and I often hear too, paired with that, that that rhetoric of like, well, black communities actually want police. They actually do want that. And it's like, I, okay, I, I, from my experience in Minneapolis, when polled whether or not folks wanted police, the majority of people in Minneapolis did not want police. There were, you know, pockets where it was like present, but the majority of people said no um and but you get people that will often say they want police because they want to feel protected and that's the only thing mm-hmm. that they believe is yeah. out there even though it's a compromise right like or they could potentially compromise their own safety with that
1: yes it accepts the framing that police are the only path to ending crime and being safe exactly. and that was my fight obviously with cedric johnson as well it's like I, I, I'm a little frustrated at this point, the year of our Lord, 2023, that we're still having debates about defund, that pretend like the defund movement is just like, okay, I don't care about crime, like police yes. are in an a- evil, let's get rid of them tomorrow, as opposed to saying all of the millions in, of dollars, including like 50% of the LA city budget that we spend on the police could just be spending on giving people money, making it so they're not poor and that they don't turn to crime and spending, you know, $50,000 a year to send somebody to college instead of just send somebody to jail.
10: Yes yes brie it was so i when he when he said like that it also like came from like outside or i think he's made a comment about how it like it's not really from these communities that are made it's like bullshit like this was like also this isn't like some intellectual exercise that you know upper middle class bourgeois people are enacting you know and organizing around like the whole abolitionist movement in Minneapolis was born out of like years, years of organizing, like years of conversations in community. It didn't just like happen, you know. Yeah. But it, and it's it just it frustrates me when you have quote unquote leftist scholars who are like critiquing that totally it's like you, should,
1: you should just know like we can have a debate about how quickly one can defund the police that's uh, right how long that's, is it going to take yep. um what what kind of reductions in crime do we need to see to measure if this is working and that we can credibly and like safely roll back the police you know what what you know is the language of defund the police even if i agree with the underlying principle is that language helpful like these are debates yes. that i can entertain
10: yes yes
1: but like yes. my question back to folks like what if i just went running what if i just said okay um, how much of the LA police budget, uh, LA city budget, should be for the police? Because it's already fifty percent. Right. You want it to be sixty percent, seventy percent, eighty percent. How many SWAT teams do we need so that we can do things like break down the front door of folks in Atlanta who are raising bail funds for their colleagues that have been improperly arrested for attending a concert?
10: right exactly exactly what what are
1: the goals how about instead of you getting me to explain defund you you explain to me yes what the what the tangible benefits of cop city are going to be in terms of making atlanta or anywhere else in america a safer place right with less crime how is that going to diminish crime because i can point to you city after city after city and study after study after study that shows zero correlation between the funding and size of the police department and reductions in crime
10: that's right that's so you right. don't,
1: I don't have to prove anything to you about defund. You have to prove to me why the why you want to keep throwing money at the status quo when it's so obviously not working.
10: Yes. And and so to that point, I feel like a lot of times on rising, and I'm curious about your maybe insider perspective on this. I feel like with some of these topics, perhaps even some of the trans topics included, mm. I feel like the framing has already been set up right and so then you're doing a thousand times work trying to excavate (laughs) us out of that framing to like get us in a different position to have a different conversation there's so many assumptions that i feel like i'm rising with some of the issues that get brought forward are just like taken for granted laid as the foundation and then we just it just feels like it's like a um a spiral death (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah i i
1: certainly i certainly do feel that way um i mean i don't think it's like i don't think it's i don't want to say it's not purposeful i mean it, it you know so here i mean so for example uh we cover today That that young woman swimmer, Grace – I always forget her name – who once swam against Leah Thomas and has very strong feelings about it was testifying before that hearing that they had today on trans women in sports. So naturally, we're going to cover that because our audience loves those stories.
6: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Immediately, this is an issue because this is one little tiny small corner – of what's going on with trans activism today. And the overwhelming story should be the hundreds of laws that are being passed to substantively restrict the rights of trans people, including adults, from dressing in the way they want to, to occupying public spaces where they want to, to doing a drag show for people who are not trans to wear clothes of whatever gender they want in a theatrical way or any other kind of way they want. Yes. Um uh, and it is a huge civil, civil liberties issue and a civil rights issue. Right. But <laughs> the story is that this hearing happened on the hill and I think that conservatives are very astute recognizing and we had a polling we had a pollster from I think Gallup or something on a cup, a week or two ago who was talking about this new poll that showed a majority of Americans are a thumbs down on the idea of trans women in cis women sports.
10: Mhm. Yeah.
1: And so Republicans know that. They know that they lost on the gay marriage things. They've realized that everybody has too many gay friends, gay kids, gay hairstylists, gay actors that they love, and they got to drop that one. And so they've moved on to an issue where they're actually, they're, the public is with them. And my this is this is but the only reason that I'm interested in this issue is because I it's obviously the wedge that they've chosen and they're going to beat that horse until it's dead. And right. they will take down all of the other substantive trans issues with it because there's no oxygen left in the conversation for anything else. As long as we're still fighting like th- that, that is a nexus of debate. Right,
10: right, right, right. And we watched that
1: hearing. I don't know if you watched watched it.
10: I didn't No. But
1: there was no. there was a black woman. So Gaines, the swimmer talks, and she says her piece. And then they have this Democratic black woman giving a rejoinder. Mm-hmm. And she was basically like, um, she was asked, uh, do you think that it's fair for, you know, a, a, a trans woman to play and be in Wimbledon or whatever? And she kind of equivocated, sort of like lost. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, um, well, what I really, well, what I what, what I would answer is that, there are, you know, there are all these men who think that they could beat Serena Williams, but obviously they can't. And then Gaines, the twimmer woman, goes, well, in fact, Serena or Venus or both of them were beat by the 200th and whatever ranked male tennis player. So, no, not every man can obviously beat Serena and Venus, but men who are very far from the top of their field can beat the top of the woman, well, person in the, in the women's field. Yeah. And this, the black, the Democratic woman was just, like, really getting beaten up. Because it was, it was, she was clearly struggling to make an argument. Like Cornella, she obviously wanted to say things that protected the integrity, the dignity, the rights of trans people. But in this weird issue area, it's a, it was a, it was a tough fight for her. And mm-hmm. I don't know any way to get around that, that particular framing and get away from this issue, except for one, picking segments that are literally about the other laws.
6: Yeah. But as long
1: as n- these news items keep coming up about trans women in sports, they're going to occupy a lot of oxygen. If that's a fight that keeps getting litigated, I I just don't know any way
10: around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think to me, I don't think it's a, well, I don't know. I guess there's a both and here. It's, it's not that the issue is not, I retracted, I said earlier, I do care about the issue, folks. I just don't (laughs) want to talk about it. Um,
1: No one wants to talk about it because it's tough for us. Well, I don't. Let's just be honest.
10: You don't think it's tough? I don't, I don't, I, I, okay. think, I think it's, it's simple. I think the, the what's tough is that people are trying to do a lot of things in the conversation. Like what you're saying, like, okay.
1: So what, what do you think? You think there's an easy, an, an easy, an easy answer for this?
10: For no, 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 no. Hold, hold on. Hold on. I didn't say there wasn't an easy answer. Okay. <laughs> I said that conversation's not <laughs> tough for me because I can engage in it. But like, I, I the answer is to, 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 and we, we've hashed this out already. I'm not, yeah go down that road but like i feel like the answers are complex and nuanced and aren't going to favor everybody and but the problem is, is that everyone's trying to make like ideological argue, like ushering forward ide- ideological positions and dominance in the arguments right so like when anytime anything trans comes up and you're re- and, uh, the right's referring to as transgenderism and yeah. gender ideology it's like fuckers you the gender ideology is gender that's gender you idiot yeah. like, like you fucking morons <laughs> like you fucking morons gravity
1: ideology
10: yeah 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 or like <laughs> you know transgender ism like there's nothing there's not a fucking ism with being trans you dipshit like that's what i want to say sometimes i'm just like there's no ism yeah like what and, so- and the
1: swimmer the swimmer woman by the way like so she was making i think arguments that were difficult to respond to but then she asked was asked another follow up question and just kept saying she misgendered people she was she was like there's a man in the locker room like she was being she was being clearly bigoted right like she was clearly saying things not because she was genuinely invested in in whether cis women can compete you know fairly in sports but whether or not she personally just clearly had an antipathy for trans people and that's what i said i was like look while there may be and be an argument about what to do about people who have certain kind of the advantages of having gone through male puberty in women's sports, there's no argument that she, what she's saying here is bigotry and she's completely undermining whatever argument may exist in this other realm because she clearly just has a, a problem with trans people. And right. that's why we can't have this conversation. So I can say that in the context of the clip, but that doesn't make, that doesn't make the first half of it go away for a lot of people, you know?
10: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just like, I don't know. Personally, I'm, I don't engage, like, in a lot of conversations with people who are so adamantly opposed to trans people, um, living in this world and existing in this world <laughs> that I, you know, have to engage with these type of, um, this type of rhetoric and discourse that often anymore, to be honest. Um, and so it's, like, I, I, I just, like, I don't really know. I personally also like don't know how I would t- completely engage with someone who's so hell bent on, um, you know, this, you know, dismissing trans people uh, and referring to them outside of their pronouns, etc. Right? Like, I, I just don't. Um, but what I will say is like, w- the reason why I think the conversation is difficult is because we the there's like steps I think that we have to go back to in a larger public conversation around gender, period, right? And I, that one, if one that is like not necessarily related to sex, I think we can have a meaningful distinction that there is meaningful biological sex differences across blah, 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 blah. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about gender. And for whatever reason, the right wants to continuously collapse all those things together. I think right?
1: that's a, a really important point. And the reason why the transport issue, in quotation marks, yes, yes. is, so prob- is such an issue in so galvanizing from free will, because it is, in fact, about sex and not yes. gender.
10: Exactly. Exactly. So what, what I'm trying to get at, though, Brie, is like, so... Uh, everyone who's an ally and trans, and who's trans, who's invested in this issue, and who like you know has like really really worked up about it, and meaningfully, perhaps meaningfully so to some extent, is like triggered all the fucking time, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like we like there is this um, uh, desire to want to like engage in the cultural conversation that needs to happen before that, right? Uh, and. It's not it's like it's not the space or the place. There's like a frustration, right, that happens because now you're in a political war zone, rhetorically speaking. You know what I I, mean? I get it.
1: I mean, I do think there's a world where you do a version of, you know, I respect trans people. I want trans people to have full rights under the law. Right now, there are conservatives across the country who are trying really hard and fighting really hard to make that not the case and who are undermining their so-called libertarian states, rights, whatever ideals, but trying to get between kids, families adults and their doctors and the decisions that are being made in the privacy of their homes. And I, we have to stand against that. Now on this marginal issue on hello, political end, and we can talk about that, but I first, I, I wonder if you can affirm for me, Lori Ingrams, or affirm to me, whoever you're talking to, that you share my concerns about the civil rights and interests of members of our trans community.
10: Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think I, yeah, I don't, I, I guess, what am I trying to say here? I, I think there is something baked into the conversation with conservatives about gender and sex categories that is so, um, that is so normative, right? That makes it very, very difficult to, Uh, in good faith engage with other conversations because the whole premise of that it it like it's so um, it's rooted in a mythology about gender right period you know and it's like they there's no there's no desire to actually entertain that it's just like oh you're just crazy you're just making this shit up and it's like I, I don't I don't know where to go. <laughs> like, I don't know where to go. I like, I want to demand civil, civil rights for everybody, you know, period and point blank. And you should too. But then when we come down to like this practical application, you're just like going to be so um, str- like defiant and like push people away from uh, doing so. And I, I just like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not really um, 100% invested in that. That those conversations in a way that like uh where I'm like literally have going toe to toe with someone who is adamantly representing the other side in this horrible way I just um I do think that when I have conversations with people who do have questions who are genuinely curious right we I always start from a place of like actually talking about their experience with gender not even mine right like Talking about well, how did you feel about constantly like with the social expectations and norms of this, that, the other, right? Did that feel good? <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Like like we talk about that stuff and that moves people on the ground. But when we're talking about a political agenda and radio waves and, and like, you know, messages like that, man, I mean good luck. Good fucking luck, y'all. <laughs> like, I don't know Yeah, it's tough out
1: here. I'm sure that's not the last time that a presidential liberal left-leaning presidential candidate is going to get a kind of a question like that. And, you know, yeah. we'll see how it keeps playing out, but
10: sure. I won't
1: force you to keep talking about this tough subject, Rika. I'm sorry. I don't mean no. to keep doing this to you.
10: It's, it's okay. It, it makes sense. It makes sense to, you know, some degree when it comes through. Cause also when I'm not on a lot, like we have, a, but I, I just wanted to say before I go and before, before we move on that I, um, I thoroughly appreciate the, uh, content that you've been producing on um, Bad Faith uh, along the axis of highlighting um, movement stuff that's been happening. Like Anytime there's uh, highlights or attention brought to people who are doing really good organizing work or activism that we don't get in the mainstream um, or that are facing real issues on the ground, even on your podcast, I think is a net win for us in the movement. So please, please keep doing that. All
1: right. Well, dude, thank you, Rika. I appreciate you.
10: Yeah, yeah. Likewise.
1: Keep the faith. What's going on my mind Keep the faith. Ayende. Oh wait, let me just check the YouTube, folks. Um, hey, welcome back, Bree. Thanks, Jay Jackson. Much appreciated. Ayende, you're up. What's in your mind tonight?
5: Hi. Um, long time no speak. Um.
1: Yeah, for sure. What have you been up to? What are you thinking about?
5: What I've been up to? I, I've been in the gym um okay brag (laughs) it's become obsessive and it's like to the point where you know this this is like meme where it's like gym bros like the gym is better than a therapist and like yeah i i kind of scoffed at it before but high key i'm the happiest i've ever been so yeah for sure (laughs) yeah so um i mean yeah anyways moving on um so one thing I wanted to say, and I've always wanted to say this to you, is I I feel like I feel your, I, I, I might be presuming something, but I feel like I feel your pain when it comes to, when it comes to, right? Maybe not now because you have in braids, but when you wear your hair out, I, every time I see you, your hair is immaculate every single oh. day, every single day, and I'm like, there's no way like you either one of those black people who just like just wakes up and like it's just so the natural here is just so easy to you or i just feel like you have a breakdown like every other day before before you have to rush to the rising set and get it all done it's one of the two
1: it's not immaculate i was just talking on the phone with my aunt last night like because i have to take these braids out this weekend and i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm dreading it because it's the it's about to be peak humidity in washington dc My hair is so responsive to humidity that I joke, I like to say that someone could sneeze on the other side of a room and it will completely cause my braid out or twist out to revert. I am not like, I'm like, how am I going to get, like I walk, I started walking home now. So to close my rings, because exercise you're not the only one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it's like, I'm going to be walking home from work. In the sweltering humid heat and whatever, I'm gonna, what am I gonna do? Redo my twist out every single night? Like, that's not good for your hair. And I was like, on candy, like, what's the deal? Like, am, am I gonna have to become a weight girly? Like, what, like, what should I get into? Like, w- help me because <laughs> she's good at hair. So I appreciate you saying that, but half the time, if you see me with a slick bun, if you see me with my hair parted down the middle and it slicked down on the sides, that's me <laughs> panicking. <laughs> and that, if if I were to turn the back of my head to the camera, you would see a very messy scrunchie holding it all together. That I know I don't have to care that much about because the back of my head never shows.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I don't think we notice. I don't think the <laughs> audience notices. I think we all think we always think you have amazing hair. But um,
1: well, I appreciate I appreciate you, Ayende, for sure. <laughs>
5: But um, so so one thing, so more seriously, I guess, or on like politics topics, one like what I've really been thinking about is RFK recently, and usually like, I feel like I'm a very open minded person, and like I've I've really just been trying to evaluate and evaluate him, even though I went into this thinking like Marion Williamson was gonna be it, like I, mm-hmm. I I really could not believe that there was gonna be someone like significantly ahead of Marion Williamson like popping into this primary, like, that mm-hmm. isn't named Joe Biden, I mm-hmm. I was floored by by RFK being a thing. Right. And so like, I'm trying to like, see like, what the value is in this person, like, really valuing all their ideas or whatever, like, just that face value, trying to give them like the benefit of the doubt or whatever. And when I tell you, like, I, I, I've been trying, 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 trying.
6: But when dude
5: like was talking about wi-fi giving you cancer on joe rogan i i was really like i'm trying my best i'm really trying my best but like i don't know how like it's such like a tall ask at this point so, so like the, the 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 um vaccine stuff aside right like i was like i'm giving the benefit that whatever like okay maybe maybe like i don't know some things. maybe i've been brainwashed as well about vaccines yada yada right but when, when he, he moved on to the Wi-Fi thing, I was like, you're asking a lot from me like to, to sweep aside. You're asking a lot.
1: I did not want to have to do this. This is about to be the end of me right here. I hope you appreciate how honest and open and into it I'm willing to get with you because I'm about to be canceled over this. I am now sharing on my screen. I don't remember when I had to look this up before, but I once at some point in my professional life had to look at this thing with Wi-Fi. I think I might have been on the Bernie campaign. Some constituent raised it as a concern. And my first reaction also was, oh, it couldn't be the case that there's a problem with Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is everywhere. They wouldn't allow that to happen to us. The government wouldn't put us in that position. I know. I know. It's a whole joke. G4 or whatever people say, 4G. It's a whole meme about crazy people in tinfoil hat stuff. Like, I get it. But I do remember that when I had to look it up in the past, I saw all of these regulations that exist in Europe about how close certain kind of electromagnetic centers like Wi-Fi can be close to centers where there are this early childhood development happening, like in preschools and the like. And I'm sharing this screen about EU regulations for safe connection and Does Wi-Fi affect brain development? Researchers concluded long-term exposure to 2.4 gigahertz may lead to adverse exposure such as neurodegenerative diseases originated from the alteration of some mRNA expression and more studies should be devoted to the side effects of RF radiation on mRNA expression levels. Now I'm not saying throw away your Apple hub and I'm not saying panic And I'm not saying like take off your Apple watch and throw it into the Hudson or the Sen or whatever body of water happens to be where near you are. But I think the reason why there is this like thing called like a skeptic community um, is because like there's a lot of stuff in our environment that's relatively untested that has potential to cause harm. So like, it sounds kooky. I know it sounds kooky. And I'm not saying there's any definitive proof of anything. But there's enough stuff out there that people are concerned about that there have been regulations in place in the EU. So,
5: you see, you see all of this, right, is exactly why someone needs to debate RFK. Because I'm, me as an uneducated, like, per, someone who doesn't spend a lot of time looking at these things, right? Like, just me listening to RFK on face value. Like, I can't, like... Like, if you're a person who grows up in the mainstream, right, and you're hearing RFK say the things that he does, and no one is willing to go point by point, like, you know, with evidence or whatever, like, actually, like, you know, evaluating what he's saying, right? I have to, like, like, I have to put faith in RFK at some, like, at some point, like, or unless I'm doing my own research, which I should do, but, you know, like, I have to put I have to stack up all the things this guy is telling me and what he's like, you know, asking me to believe or following him on and like, take the leap to him. Whereas I shouldn't have to do that. There should be these like actual doctor people, actual accredited people. I don't know who like go through and actually debate him on all these points. That way I can actually hear someone else who's not him. Tell me these things like you are just not, cause like you, you've changed. You've changed how I saw, like, that entire interview. Like, you've gotten me okay. Maybe I need to... Okay, but, like, so that's
1: scary, right? Because, like, I also don't know what I'm talking about. This is the thing with the scientists. It's like, I don't want to have to be the scientist because I could be wrong and making mistakes about stuff. I'm fully humble about that. But, like, I also am really... Like, this is what happened with COVID. Everyone was told dogmatically all this stuff could never be true. It can never be lively theory. That's a crazy thing crazy people say. That guy... My ex boyfriend from five years ago's friend, apparently his big thing is that he's really anti lab leak, and that's how he's been on the internet. So there goes his credibility as well. But, like, there, you know, we were told so much stuff about the, you know, there's masking and then they'll mask and then we're saving the mask for PPE and then we're, you know, masks don't work and now they do. And, like, I, no one's talking about the high quality masks, which absolutely do work and you should be wearing them. But, I, I, I they are. We're at a place now where there's. We don't know who to listen to or what to understand. And so, of course, everyone's independently going to their um, PubMed journals and trying to figure out stuff on their own. Like, and, and here's the thing: this, this people are like, well, there's no definitive proof that that the Wi-Fi causes problems. Well, no shit, Sherlock. They were telling us there was no definitive proof for years that cigarettes cause cancer. But I think most people would be like, well, all things being equal, I'll just step away from that and take some precautions in the interim until they figure it out. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So like if if RFK Jr. is saying I want to run for president because I think there should be more research in these issue areas, that feels like a good thing to a lot of people. Not because there is definitive proof, but because there is enough evidence to suggest there could be a problem such that we want definitive proof.
5: You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, the, the second, the second part to like my RFK hesitancy, and it's mm-hmm. really manifesting now, is like, he, he doesn't seem to have put any thought into like, the, what he believes the economic like structure of the United States should be like, like, like all these different policies, like the fact that Sagar had like, asked him a question, like, what do you think the minimum wage should be? And no answer. like Don't yeah. you think before you run for president? that you should at least have that in the like you should have answered that question for yourself like maybe you don't have every question answered but like there's these like, like every time he's asked about economics like yeah they defaults to the to the free market right in which like i don't want to because i'm i feel like i'm the um market socialist guy like or, like you know what i mean like whenever i talk to my friends about this stuff i'm like okay you, you can have a market and it still be like you know for the people or whatever right so i'm not discounting that but, like, all of these other questions, he doesn't seem to have answered. And, yeah. like, my problem is, is usually not with the answer, right? So, like, when we're discussing, like, health, like, things we should do about healthcare, public option versus single payer versus, like, full-on Medicare for all, right? It's never usually, like, I, I have an, a great objection to the idea of a public option, right? It's, I don't actually think you want the public option that bad. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's usually my thing because for all this talk about like, oh, well, I, what I will have ingrained in my mind for the rest of my life is that we had all this talk from Joe Biden and then, you know, Pete and Kamala about like, like um, Medicare for all who want it, and we get nothing, nothing. Right. So that means you didn't actually care about it to begin with. So it's, it's not like, like, it's the lack of commitment, the lack of like, I've thought about this and like, this is my answer. Less so, less so, you know, less so what the actual answer is that, to, like it gives me this feeling that he's not serious about like the fundamental things that like I want from my presidential candidate to put all my chips in, to donate my money towards yada, yada.
1: Wait, yeah. yeah. I personally am frustrated by a lack of what feels like a structural critique because when, if there's a new issue that comes up and you have a structural analysis, then you have the tools to come to the right conclusion, even if it's a new subject. And I have concerns about RFK Jr. for that reason. And also, you know, it wasn't just the Israel thing in the vacuum, it was saying something that felt authentic and true, a defense of Roger Waters, followed up by a complete 180 after you talked to Rabbi Shmuley. And it's like also, are you too easily influenced because you don't have an ideological framework, a historical understanding, something deeper than just knowing what's popular on Twitter? And maybe that's not fair. Um, But that is a concern of mine as I watch him kind of be inconsistent on some of these things or uh, admit to being ignorant about some of these things. And like the healthcare issue is one too. It's like, well, it's universal healthcare is hard. Well, you know, when Bernie explained it, he said there's a program that we have right now called Medicare. It's one of the most popular and most efficient uh, programs that we have in the United States of America. Medicare for all works thusly. And the first year, we expanded the Medicare age down to 55. Second year, we put it down to 45. Uh, sorry, first year down to 55 plus everyone under 18. Second year down to 45 plus everybody under 18. Third year down to 35 and everybody under every, every 18. And then in the last year, everybody's included. That didn't seem that complicated to me. Mm-hmm. You, grow, you obviously have to pay for the grow, growth in, in infrastructure and the inclusion of things that aren't currently included in Medicare. Like uh, hearing, vision, and dental, but you do that. Yes, their taxes are going to go up, but they're going to go up less than the premiums that you're paying now. And you always get healthcare no matter what, even if you make a skip your payment because there is no payment. That's the way the new system works. Bada bing, bada bing, bada boom. Didn't that suddenly go from seeming like something that was a pipe dream to something that could happen in four years? Yep. And so when when people like um, RFK Jr. say, "Well, it seems hard." To me, it's like, well, maybe because you don't really understand what the plan is. And also, if you think that seems hard, wait until you try to cut the military budget. Mm-hmm. Like you That's, what, so that's why I asked him the question the way I did. I'm like, you literally say that the deep state killed your family members because they objected to the war in Vietnam. And now you're sitting here telling me that you think it's going to be easier to kill the military industrial complex, knowing that that happened or believing that that happened. Then to get universal health care, which fully is a thing in all these other peer countries around the world in a way that, you know, uh, ending imperialism isn't a thing that's really happened in those countries. You,
5: you, and, you know, like, I think I just, I think I just, I just had a thought, right? Like, it, it's giving Obama a little bit. Like, I feel like the amount of people, the amount of, the amount of, like, you know how a lot of people are saying like thinking or like saying that like, you know, RFK, he could be this like change candidate. Like he's all about like, you know, getting like, getting rid of the corruptness of big pharma and like ending the, the war da, da. but because there's like no structural thing there, it doesn't seem to be very much commitments to like how you're actually gonna, you know, change these things. Like it feels like if at all, if it at all is possible that he becomes president at the end of the day, like, it's going to be like this 180, where, well, not necessarily 180, but like, none of, none of the stuff is really going to get changed fundamentally. And then we're going to be in this position where this person didn't make all, like, this person was a moderate, quote unquote, moderate centrist all along that wasn't going to do much. And we, be, we bamboozled ourselves into thinking they were going to do something about it. And they were never going to do it all along.
1: Yeah, look, I don't want to overstate things. You know, I think he has sincere commitments, many of which I agree with, and I think it would be good for him to try. I think that his critique of the capture of the administrative state and the revolving door of politics and all of that stuff is right and good. Now, we did hear Trump say similar things, and then he got into office and put all the same, you know, schmucks back in there. Obama said, rah, rah, uh, recession bad. Banks bad and then hired all those SOBs and put them right back in those positions. So, you know, talk is cheap. But based on talk, which is all we have at this stage, yeah, like who knows? I don't want to tell, I don't want to sit here and say he's definitely going to betray us in every way because I can't know that. But what uh, Chris Hedges said in the last episode was, you know, we, what we do know why we did trust Bernie and why he does trust Cornell West is because we've seen decades of a record that suggests that if this is a grift, this is a long game since they've been playing since the cradle, that they've been playing Mm -hmm. forever. And so that maybe you can trust it. And that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to do it, but it means that you have some confidence that they're going to try.
5: Last thing before I go, I have a question. like just evaluate this idea real quick. Um, Like I was thinking, is it possible that you could like, in the same way that on a ballot, you have like the party that someone comes from, you could have like some sort of signifier of how they're funded on a ballot legally. So like a publicly funded candidate would have like P next to their name, mm-hmm. a like corporate funded candidate would have a C next to their name. Like do you, on face value, what are you thinking when you hear that idea?
1: That's interesting. I kind of love it. I don't think it happened in a million years, but part of my issue with Andrew Yang and the Forward Party is that I would like for someone to know that that's the case because they know that anybody who runs under a certain party's banner is is publicly funded. I you know I would like it if the Forward Party understood that as part of its mission of being different from the duopoly is is required to reject corporate financing.
5: So it um, seems legal, it seems pl- it right. seems like legally plausible to you, right?
1: Legally plausible? I have no idea. I'm not. You have
5: no idea. Okay. All right.
1: Um, but I think that a party should be able to brand its I mean certainly can brand itself that way the way that Bernie branded himself as not taking corporate money and it incentivized people to give him dollars and to trust him. And it is very frustrating to me that Ford doesn't see the advantages of that and I asked again in this interview that people can choose not to talk about but in this interview I asked him very specifically a series of pointed questions about his willingness to give up corporate money and he said for all intents and purposes i don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight
5: yeah well thank you brie <laughs> yeah
1: thank you thank you for calling in and a keep the faith all right i'm going to go i saw someone in the chat on the internet be like this is my first time calling in. i really hope i get called on but your name online and your name in the chat are different so to the extent you wanted me to show you favoritism and that i was inclined to do so I literally cannot. So I'm going to go to Jane with the puppy dog avatar. What's on your mind? Are you with me, Jane? Also, nobody has said anything about my new neon light and I'm hurt. <laughs> uh, while Jane's figuring out her unmute button, I'm going to read some comments off the screen. Buffer Luger would a trans volunteer for Dr. West doing the kind of comms you suggested be a game changer? How? Um, I don't, you know, I don't know that it's up to anybody cis or trans to come up with the message. I think it's, you know, it's on the trans community to decide, you know, what what is going to be kind of the line item, what's, what's the advocacy, how are you going to handle this sports issue? Is it subsuming all the other issues? Is it something that's worth fighting for? Is there a, are you going to distinguish between what happens at the peewee level or the pre-competitive level versus post-competitive level? Is the resolution to have, yes, bifurcated sports but not on the basis of sex per se? Say, every, you know, cis women because we're so weak have one category and everybody else can be in the other category. Like, I don't know, but I can't be, I'm not in the position to make recommendations to anybody. All I'll say is that it, you know, it's not doesn't seem to be going anywhere and it's sucking up a lot of oxygen from issues that I think are really um, important uh, in terms of trans advocacy. Stacy Shelman. Uh, thank you. Says I've never had the nerve to join in any call in. I'm in the queue now. You're so relatable. I'm going to take a chance. Yes, Stacy had seen your comment. I hope you do keep trying. Um, it looks like whomever I called him before either purposefully or accidentally yeeted themselves from the chat. So I'm going to go to Kate. What's on your mind tonight, Kate? Am I there? You are here loud and clear.
8: Oh, good. It's nice to talk to you again. It's been a while, but... Indeed,
1: indeed. What's on your mind tonight?
8: (laughs) Well, you know, I wanted to go back to... um, You were talking about... uh, uh, the Wi-Fi, the um, vaccines, um, and I think I'm older. My kids were all vaccinated. My kids are older than you are, um, and I'm I've never been anti-vax. But you can't have these conversations at all. It's mm-hmm. um, there's you, you're not able to tease out the nuances. So like what you said when you you know you think Wi-Fi you know. Uh, aluminum foil caps and things but Mm -hmm. actually if you if you look at the whole conversation there there are some really um, important things that we should be talking about Um, they may not be as overblown as some people say they are and the same with uh, vaccines I am pro-vax but the schedule for when my kids had vaccines in the 80s is completely different uh, now the um, the amount of, um, I can't, I, I don't, I don't think I have, uh, I can't remember, but like 16 shots to something like 57 now. And, you know, um, and then there's another, the antigens and, and different things. So I, I can't mm-hmm. pull up all the information, but you know, in, in my mind, you've got these little immature immune systems. And so whether or not they should have uh, these vaccinations is less the point than should they have them spaced out? Yeah. And even, you know, more more spaced out or do they even need them at all? I mean, are some of these things so, you know, pre preventative that that um, it's not it, it, it that the chances of them actually having that issue um, is minimum but you but you can't have the conversations so that's been the hard part for me because yeah get vaccines but uh, but can't we talk about how you know I mean so on one hand people are very able to uh, look at uh, the pharmaceutical industry and go, you know, they're probably messing with us, you know, and they create medicines to keep us sick. They actually have uh, news things where they state that, you know, it's not a good, uh, it's not a good business model to actually cure some of these diseases. Mm -hmm. It's better to keep people sick. So we get that and we can see it, say that, you know, some of the medications, some of the things they're doing are probably not really in our best interest, you know, Um, but when it comes to vaccines, we can't see that some of this might be um, have a monetary backing to it, um, you know, a kind of a, a, a money idea and that maybe we don't need all of these. But they they like that we're divided this way and that we yeah. have these crazy conversations uh, so that we don't ask some of the, you know, the more nuanced questions. Yeah, there, there
1: was a case, I've talked about it before, um, where uh plaintiffs brought suit over lipitor i'm sure you're familiar because pretty much every american over 40 is prescribed lipitor
8: not this one but
1: (laughs) (laughs) it'll go for you good for you it's a statin it's a drug that keeps your cholesterol down for those who are not yet in that um age frame and uh the point of this case, there's a, something called a key TAM action where you can file on behalf of the government if the government declines to take up something that it's own I- that's in its own interest. Um, and so plaintiffs have brought a key TAM action on behalf of the government, arguing that the government was being overbilled for prescribing Lipitor, which it prescribed <laughs> millions and millions and millions of dollars worth yes. and was paid out and um, by Medicare and Medicaid every year in huge amounts. The government paid for this. And now the reason that doctors were over-prescribing it is because um, Pfizer, who manufactures the drug, was misrepresenting the difference between uh, the actual uh, cholesterol levels at which it's medically indicated, and which is called a cut point, and this other metric that was called a guideline. And when they were marketing it, the materials to doctors – they were really stressing guidelines and blurring right. the distinction mm-hmm. between the two things. So people who had cholesterol levels that were much lower than the cut points, but were where the guidelines were, were getting prescribed Lipitor, even though maybe they didn't actually have high cholesterol yet. And maybe they should have just been told to start start jogging, you know, start doing a walk right. after dinner change, or whatever. Change your diet, you know. Exactly. And so... While you might think that, let's say, a conservative judge would be really into this case because it's basically saying there's all this government fraud and waste, government paying for drugs to a pharmaceutical company that are not really owed, that wasn't my experience with this case. <laughs> and it was crazy because normally a lot of these cases fail because you have to prove that the doctor was mis. Uh, but for but for the misrepresentation of the pharmaceutical industry, wouldn't have prescribed the drug, and it's you have to get a doctor on the record that's like willing to say that, and that's a little bit of an ego thing. But the, these plaintiffs had done a good job in finding doctors that say, well, they flew me out to Hawaii and they told me this, that, and the other, and I was genuinely confused, and now that I realize what the deal is, yes, I would not have prescribed this medication. So at least at this pleading stage, it seemed to me that this was a, a good case that should be should go on to the next stage, but that did not happen. So when I see this kind of thing happening and when I see the rationale, the court's rationale being things like, well, doctors know what they're doing. Tough. They couldn't be caught up by false advertising. They're doctors. Everyone knows what they're doing. Expertise, expertise, expertise. I'm on Lipitor; It doesn't hurt me. There's the, the downsides. The side effects are so minimal and rare. Who cares? They are not, but yes. <laughs> but this is where we are. And so like, you know, the vaccine stuff—it's hard. You, you, my mother, you know, I don't mean to put her on blast, but she similarly <laughs> talked about how taking my older brother to the to the, the doctor for his one-year checkup or whatever it is, two years whenever you get the shots, in the early '80s, mid '80s, and she had um, DPT—a shot in the dark—with her. She was in a master's program in early childhood education at the time, and had been reading about this stuff, and had dog-eared a bunch of stuff, and just wanted to have a conversation with her gynecologist about it and says that she was shamed and shouted down. I was like, okay, like I wasn't saying I didn't want to vaccinate him. I just wanted to ask you about the vaccine schedule and some of these other concerns. This was my child. And I think that attitude that so many people have encountered with the medical profession is exactly why there's all of this distrust. I'm sorry. There's just all of this distrust. If you don't have the wherewithal to address what are reasonable concerns about new volumes of vaccines, as you put it, you know, a larger amount than have ever been prescribed before and closer proximity than ever been described before They have preservatives in them that are literal toxins. No one's arguing that aluminum and mercury aren't toxins. The argument is that they're in such small quantities that it's okay. Um, But there was enough concern about it that they took the mercury out of all of those vaccines, out of an abundance of caution, they say,
8: okay, well. (laughs) And if you have, if you have, if you have enough vaccines with just that small amount, you know, right. in, a, in a, in a, an infant's immune system. Well, you're compromising it. I, I grew up in the fifties. My dad was a doctor. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they are, they do not get nutritional, um, education. Uh, they are educated on an ongoing way by, uh, the pharmaceutical companies that have the, 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 uh, guys who come out and we used to get baby food. I used to have that at my college dorm, you know, mm-hmm. we'd, you know get those for treats and stuff. But, um, They, they don't have all that kind of knowledge, but back in the fifties when penicillin came out, you know, any of us, there were four of us, we get a sniffle and we were lined up on the couch and we all got a penicillin shot. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, three of my, my other three siblings are, you know, hardy, but for me, I was kind of like the canary in the mine, and developed, you know, a lot of chronic issues, um, Mm from overuse of, of, um, antibiotics. Mm, uh, mm. you know, they, they know that now, but, but back then, and, and it's just this, um, I think it's money driven, but, and they, they encourage this, this idea that we can't have these conversations. Like you said, your mom, when she's in there and you, you the doctors absolutely won't have those conversations. They roll their eyes. Um, all of my friends, I think, are on one statin or another. And yet, you know, what you were saying, you know, they actually lowered, and I think that what you were talking about, the guidelines versus, you know, the actual cut point. Um, they they've lowered what is, uh, you know, to, to incredibly low to what your cholesterol is, quote-unquote, supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And as people age, actually, you need more cholesterol in your system. And what they're finding is people who keep it artificially too low is that they're starting to have more cancers later on mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm, I work with herbs, so I'm an herbalist. And so I, um, you know, my first approach always is, you know change your diet, uh, you know, uh, look at nutrition, exercise, you know, maybe add some, you know, uh, food grade herbs to your, you know, uh, your protocol and use the medications last. But I and I'm kind of like um, doctors are amazed if I have to go in and, and I'm not on medications, you know, and mm-hmm. they're like, well, well, you're kidding. No medications. And I'm healthy, you know, so. It's, I'm sorry, that's kind of getting off on a tirade. No, process.
1: I'm not, I'm really trying not to like HIPAA violate my mother, but like, this is a very common conversation in my household is all I'll say. <laughs>
8: good, good, Well, and I, I mean, before, you know, jumping off, I also wanted to say I've just been appalled at the, um, the uh, arrows you've been getting, you know, uh, <laughs> recently it's just, oh my word. You know, uh, people are, um. They're like you said. They're they're very very triggered. And um, like I said, you're younger than my my kids, and I don't let them hear me say this, but I can't. I mean, you are um, so much more articulate. Um, you are uh, you, you're questioning. You you know you are very. One of the things I love is you're always very very prepared for what you're you know going to be discussing. And you know I I I was frankly you know really amazed getting seeing all you know the kind of uh, people on the, this divide on the left and people who you know you know would villainize you, I would be thinking that, that everybody be embracing you because you actually do bring this integrity to to these discussions so my little my little uh plug for you so
1: that 's very kind of you to say, and I really do appreciate that thank you so much
8: yeah well i 'll jump off i just uh there i, I haven 't had time to watch the chris hedges um thing yet and I i can't wait because I love him yeah I've
1: he's he's him. great I was always such a pleasure to talk to him and it's a real pleasure talking to you as well Kate thank you so much for calling in
8: yes and oh sorry one more thing um, you know if you can start I mean I think you know uh class you know uh looking at class but environment too is, is mm. you know putting those two together you mm-hmm. know the scientist rebellion all that kind of group I'm in the process with my city trying to save a meadow from them uh, developing. So I've mm. been doing that. And, and, in fact, before I came in, I was cleaning out my worm bin. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but um, I, I would love to see, you know, the, the merge of the two. Not, you know, okay, we're on this terrible trajectory clim- uh, climate-wise. But, um, but adding how that is, you know, how that... Um, Uh, you know, with working kind of class issues, why that is so important. Yeah. Cop City is that,
1: Cop City is one of those stories, in fact, where the environmental aspect of it sometimes gets downplayed. And also Jordan Cheriton has been doing a great job um, with the paper mill uh, in Kalamazoo. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Maybe, maybe I I should have him on and talk about that as well. That would be great.
8: Okay. All right. Have a nice evening.
1: Thank you. You too, Kate. Keep the faith.
8: Uh, You too. Bye.
1: Eric
8: Smith. How are you doing,
1: my old friend? I am good. How you
9: been? <laughs> I've been good. What's on your mind tonight? Okay. So first, um, because you mentioned it, because I didn't watch, I wasn't on watching the YouTube Live, so I definitely had to pop onto the YouTube Live to check out the lighting, because you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm I, someone who works in lighting. Oh, yeah. Say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've I, always um, liked the fact that I can tell that when you started your uh, podcast and you started your video you definitely did research because (laughs) i do like some of the tips i can tell that you're using with your lighting um one of the main things i'm a big fan of like color contrast so you know having a warm light as your key having a little purple light on the side and and then also your background
1: my my new pink neon light
9: uh huh. I do like that, and also understanding texture—the fact that you have the plant right there, the fact that you have stuff going on in the background. Some depth of
6: field. Mm-hmm.
9: Yeah, the mm-hmm. depth of field. So you have it slightly out of focus. That brings you know dimension to it. Because even though you you know you, you um, I can probably tell that where you're shooting right now. Um, by adding all of that, you kind of expand the room, make it a little bit bigger. So yeah, kudos.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I was moving furniture around at two o'clock in the morning because I have this weird, I've heard it's a little bit of an ADHD ADHD thing to want to constantly be moving stuff around your space. There was something in this bookshelf area that's just been bugging me and I finally got it all together. That's part of why I decided to do this today is that I was feeling so good about my space that I said, let me just set this camera up and do a live stream while, while my apartment's clean and I've got incentive." But apart from giving me these um, very well received compliments, Eric, what is on your mind substantively tonight?
9: So what was on my mind is I recently watched I was watching the Crystal and Kyle because I did. This is one of the first times I did not watch the um, the episode today because I was working and I just didn't have time. Um, but I've been watching a lot of the other episodes, especially about this con- uh, context of Cornell West winning and the whole conversation. Now, again, bringing brought up about third party. I was recently watching the Crystal and Kyle show and, um, they were bringing up a debate about, um, third parties versus, you know, how they wished Cornell West would run in the Democratic Party and some of their, um, arguments against, you know, running in the third party, which some I agreed with, or I think maybe not agreed with, but thought that they had a valid point that, you know, obviously, um, if you're someone who believes in third parties and, and third parties running, um, you should want to know, uh, to take those points and understand that they're coming from. There's some substance behind it, but and mainly ways that they were uh, always coming back to is this idea of um, the lesser harm. I mean, he was bringing up the idea of you know lesser harm, and they were also bringing up the idea that you know with Biden and hiring the the um, what's, what's it called the N L N R L B. Mm-hmm. And the benefits that, you know, Biden being there and who he put in charge of the NLRB mm-hmm. and that being aspect of why, you know, um,
1: it's important to win.
9: It's important to win and all that. Um, yeah. yeah. That ideology. And when I was listening to them and my thing is that what I think they're missing when it comes to the idea of what Biden is doing and the few times you can you may, quote unquote, say he did something good is that his good is always measured to an extent. I believe the Democratic Party understands, um, especially after the Hillary Clinton campaign and 2020, that they have to be careful in how, I would say, antagonistic they are to... Um, a, the, at least the the left within that are still within the Democratic Party that still holds true, this duopoly. And I believe that what they're doing, and I believe there's a consciousness to it, is that when Biden puts a person like that in the NLRB, um, who does do some good things, who has made it easier for unions to formulate, for unions to have an easier run and to get more favorable rulings on that front, i.e. with some of the uh, rulings that they did that favor, the Amazon creation of the unions, some of the rulings that helped with the Starbucks and all of that. It's done in a measured way because they know that we are willing to allow unions to have, we are willing to allow a certain level of gain understanding Fully and well, we are controlling how much gain that unions can receive or how much, um, how far progressive we will allow certain policies to happen. And I think that they also fall in the trap that voting for Biden is always going to be a sick or voting for the lesser to evil is a cyclic, uh, cyclical argument because there's always Republicans are always going to be evil. Republicans, quote unquote, are always going to see in the lesser two evils when you compare it to the Democrats. And if you don't, and if you're never willing to break that, you're just going to be trapped in the cycle. Because another, and, that, and the reason you're going to be trapped in this cycle is I think another thing that they fail to, um, don't bring up is that after 2020, I now see very clearly that. What we would consider the true progressives within the Democratic Party, i.e. the squad and Bernie, are not willing to be the antagonistic force that they need to be to truly push, you know, Mm -hmm. Nancy Pelosi types and Biden anywhere far as far left as we need them to go.
1: Yeah, so what I will say is that I like... I, I respect um, their view, and I understand where they're coming from. They feel as though, look, Bernie got close, and, oh, and I don't want to represent the, misrepresent their views. so you should go and listen to what they've actually said, if you haven't already. But my understanding of it is that there's a generalized feeling that there are real tangible things that can be done by a person who wins. It's why we all supported Bernie. We all thought that he could really win that there are real gains that someone to the left of Biden, even if they aren't as radical as we would like, could achieve. That uh, the more substantive revolution will be easier done under a more left candidate. And that um, messaging campaigns are a kind of waste of people's time and money, you know, running not to win, but to, you know, just be a part of a conversation isn't something that they are particularly interested in. Um, And that's why they see the value of being in the democratic party as more important in terms of having the platform and stuff as more important than the kind of messaging value of positioning yourself as antithetical to the democratic party. And so I think that's a coherent argument. And I think that the reason that I tend not to go with that line of argument is not because I don't think it makes sense, but because I just, like, I am less confident in the ability to win. I feel as though Bernie was designed in a lab to be the best candidate the left could have. I mean, sure, he could have been younger. He could have been a a half Latino, ha, half black woman, you know, who was uh-huh. also a veteran or something like that. <laughs> that would make him even, you know, more I don't know, desirable. in the ways that we, for some reason, think people people it, are positive. It would have at the
9: very least shielded him. From shielded
1: exactly process. from certain accusations. So. Sure, but outside of that, in terms of his credentials, in terms of his integrity, in terms of his record, all of that, like that was as good as it was going to get. And they still did what they did to him. So to me, I, I'm re- I've just reevaluated my goals. Is, is my goal just to keep trying to fight one's way into the presidency? Do I think that's even possible? Do I think once you're there, you're able to do much? Well, or is my goal to actually destroy the duopoly to undermine the credibility of the duopoly to make it impossible for the Democratic Party to run the way that it has been running with the guarantee of our votes no matter what. And I'm more inclined toward the latter now. I understand why other people aren't. And me personally, I think that there's a way to kind of split the baby and, you know, it, it's, it's no skin off my back to say vote for Miriam Williamson in a primary. It, like it doesn't cost me anything. There, I'm not participating in the Green Party primary. Like that's not a thing. I don't need to be a registered Green. I can stay a registered Democrat and just vote against Biden in the primary and then vote for Cornell West in a general election when what I presume will happen happens, you know, and the left candidate doesn't make it out of the primary because that's what they do. But I also like I understand where they're coming from and I respect the fight just the way I respected Amy Vieja's fight and some of the other candidates that we had on. But I do think that I feel more inspired by the mission of destroying the Democratic Party's ability to operate the way it's been
9: operating. And, and I also think one of the things that I uh, disagree with them on is they were talking about how like if Cornell becomes a green candidate. And mm-hmm. if the Green Party has ballot access
6: mm-hmm.
9: in all fifty states, mm-hmm. then it is simple as just vote for Cornell West. Yeah. He has ballot access in all fifty states. And you go get, west you go. <laughs> Huh? what I say? I say go west. Yeah, go west. It's, it's 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 if he if the Green Party has ballot access in all fifty states, then it is simple as saying, Oh, vote for Cornell West. It is that simple I, and I disagreed with them on that take that is no it's like at that point in time even though the electoral college is stupid you know every single state you know you whoever wins the popular vote in that state gets those electoral college and then if there's three names on it just vote and then at even and if that's the case if there's three names then one person doesn't have to win a majority of the votes you just have to win a plurality of the votes so you should have no problems going and say oh yeah you should vote for West. I certainly
1: have no problem with it. I don't—so, I'm sorry. I, you're saying that they—were they, they saying that if—what what, what were they arguing against voting for Dr. West? Are they saying that if Marianne they, were
9: to win or sick, just— bring up the idea that he's a spoiler um, candidate. And my thing at that point in time, if he's able to get—and I think the Green parties do have um, ballot access in all 50 states or at least 48 states, if I'm not mistaken— then at that point in time, there's no to me the way I think of spoiler. That's not a spoiler. It's just he has. If he didn't have like if he only had ballot access into half the states, okay, I guess. But if you have ballot access in all 50 states and your name's gonna be on the ballot for president of all 50 states,
1: I mean, me personally, I'm in a place where I don't need him to even have the capacity to win. I don't. I don't hmm. care about the spoiler argument. He can be registered. He he could be on the ballot in only Pennsylvania, Ohio. Wisconsin, Georgia, <laughs> Nevada, all the swing states. And I would still say, vote your conscience, vote for Cornell West. Because to me, yeah, the point is that you're a spoiler. That's the whole point. The whole power, your, the whole, your whole ability to have, you know, what does Chris had just say, politics is a game of fear. Your whole ability to make them afraid comes from your ability to spoil
9: the election. That's where all of your leverage lies. So- and I- yeah, because they also brought up that idea, that the fact that, you know, they said that, oh, we tried it because, you know, when Jill Stein won and, you know, she got however many percentage she got, they blamed her for losing the election, that why Hillary Clinton lost and all of that. Even though if you go and you look at the data, most of the Jill Stein votes that she got, even if Jill Stein name wasn't on it, they said they wouldn't have voted to begin with for either candidate. And my thing is that to me, isn't a reason not to do it because my old thing is you keep doing it until the Democrats learn their lesson and that they never want to learn their lesson. Right. Their lesson.
1: right. And this that's- is what I was saying to, I think a it's like, to me, it's about framing. Like what we can try to improve upon is to make it harder and harder for the Democrats to put the onus on us and instead put the onus on them. Okay. Well, here's, you know, you like, here's a very popular policy. You could have gotten the votes if you would agree to back this policy. You won't. So I'm going to be in the race, running on all the policies that have majority majority support in America and overwhelming majority support in the Democratic Party and that you declined to support. So if people are voting for me and for not you, if I was able to peel these votes away because of my policy platform, why didn't you just adopt that policy platform? It's your fault.
9: Mm -hmm. And another thing that I think that we're also missing is. When we talk about the LL and the NLRB and their ability that some of the things that they did to help these unions get started, we also don't talk about the fact that these unions are also captured. A lot of these union major unions are also captured by a leadership that is so strongly attached to the Democratic Party, even if the rank and file workers aren't. There needs to be, because, you know, as someone, because, you know, I do work on like a lot of um, IATSE union um, films and television shows. And mm-hmm. I can tell you from just having conversations with that, the way the union leadership works, particularly in that particular realm, is that it is, they are pretty much, they're no different, in my opinion, from like, you know, your regular democratic, you know, elected official.
6: Mm-hmm. They're
9: going to go uh, lockstep and barrel with the Democratic Party, even though Biden did what he did to the railroad unions, even though Biden barely ever once in a while will come and say, yeah, I support the WGA, but won't go any further than that. Won't go and take a stand and say that, yo, HBO Max is, um, you know, uh, wrong. Days of Live Loss is wrong. You know, these corporations are wrong in what they're doing and they're being, they're hoarding money, da 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 There's, they're not going to do that, so... I am not as um what can I say the word I am not as confident in this you know union revolution that people think is going to happen because there need to be a revolution within some of the major unions to begin with this look at what the nurses union and all these unions that just came out right off the back and just supported Biden.
6: Yeah.
9: So to what that tells you, like I just think about what I would do if I was you know some if I had the thinking and mindset of like Nancy Pelosi. And if I had the thinking and mindset of Nancy Pelosi, I would never ever listen to Bernie Sanders. I would never listen to AOC or The Squad at all. Because at the end of the day, what you gonna do? You All I gotta say is, oh, Trump coming.
1: Who gonna take me, boo?
9: That's Nancy Pelosi. Where you at? What you gonna do? <laughs> all I gotta say, are you gonna let Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis be, you know, the president in 2028? you yeah. gonna let, you know, because I'm gonna tell you right now, I've seen what four years of Trump is. It's not, eh, it's annoying, but okay.
1: Yeah, you heard. Um,
9: and what's another four years of Trump? And, you, at you, the, mm-hmm. and one last thing I was going to say is, um, if one of the biggest things that we always talk about is the environment, if we have until 2030 to change anything, I'm telling you right now, they're not. If Biden's in the office, if Trump is in the office, neither of them is going to do anything significant to combat climate change. And right now, the only thing we have is to hope to high heavens that for some reason, maybe someone, you know, maybe all the scientists, maybe all the environmental scientists, the vast majority of them, all just messed up and, you know, rounded wrong or didn't put a decimal point someplace and they're wrong about climate change because that's the only hope we have.
3: The most iconic I have line so many phrases I bro- <laughs> hey, actually knew that Sheree was on to
7: something when my then four-year-old daughter I
2: asked <laughs> her to get into the car immediately I
3: mean, oh, Wait, why would he do it? They're, They're quoting me I, mean, oh, I was going to play why it, why it but I didn't stopped the me. I mean, by you're Felicia, saying. that's me. Okay, uh, by Felicia. don't come for uh, me unless I send for you. Where's that? say that girl? Felicia. I'm iconic. You're I'm not like great at Oh, no. no, no I said it on the show. with
1: made
6: it a the part one? of pop culture.
1: Oh, oh she's tapping right she, now. No, know that's me I'm on me. People
9: who's going to check, no, check me boo is there it's iconic people yes. still say it to this day I actually, yes. Yes, they I do. Do I yes they do yes they do sorry
1: <laughs> i thought that was just going to be a clip of her saying who checked me boo mm-hmm. anyway um i completely agree i completely agree um here we and are
9: I, yeah and here we are
1: yeah so to me the the project right at this point is just to you know, there people are going to come for you. People are going to be mad at Cornell West. Blah 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 blah. I independently am, am responsible for a row being overturned. Yada yada. Who cares anymore? The point is to increasingly make it make it look worse for Democrats. And that's why, to me, a third-party run is so important at this moment because Biden's approval ratings are so low. Majorities of people don't want him to run at all. And so, to the extent that something bad happens and the Democrats lose or whatever, people are already primed not to blame the left but to blame the democratic party for ignoring the left and that's the sweet spot and that's where we want to be
9: Mm-hmm. because like i think it oh, i think every i think whenever these election comes around when any anything happens i think we should always play that clip by what was his name from the uh, he was an msnbc host what was his name he, it, L- it, was, it was it was was it lawrence
1: o'donnell no. lawrence
9: o'donnell who was says it? that yeah yeah it was yeah because he said that the reason why the left well, they did the Democrat. I'm paraphrasing, but the Democrats will uh, never listen to the at least. The corporate Democrats never listen to the progressive side of the left is because at the end of the day, they're not willing to withhold their vote. They're going to vote, yep, for whatever they want. Uh Ro Khanna I mean, Ro Khanna has no power because at the end of the day, you're going to vote for whatever Nancy Pelosi wants and what forever. Uh, what's his name from uh, Brooklyn, guy? What's his name again? Uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries wants you. are going to do it. So, uh, 100%. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to bring that up. So, you know, for me, I'm pretty much uh, saying that I'll probably vote Marianne Williamson in the New York primary, but uh, definitely vote Cornell West in um, the general election. I'll probably be telling everyone to who I know, vote Cornell West. Seems like a plan to me. Go West. Yeah. If
1: his campaign slogan ends up being Go, rest, uh, go West, I don't need any actual you know credit i would just like for the history books to acknowledge my contribution to the campaign (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right thank you so much for calling in eric you guys um i have some bernie campaign friends actually in town tonight who i'm supposed to meet at 8 30 so we are going to wrap up wrap this conversation i appreciate all of you this has been a wonderful reunion of sorts it's been too long take care of yourselves keep the faith let's have a conversation about moving to locals I think that's what it has to be I don't really know anything about locals do you know about locals should we be locals Stacy uh, all right, I see that you opted not to, to call in. She says I didn't want to jump wish the queue. Boomer the Techno twit. I'll keep trying. Grandson picture on calling. Okay, I keep my eyes out. Hopefully, I'll see you next time and everybody else. I know there's a lot of people, people still in the queue. You guys are troopers. I
0: wish I had Maybe next time. All right, I I had take had care. Hours. Keep the faith. I wish I had a million problems. That way, I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them shit like me man yeah. I wish I was a comedian, late night sitcom syndicated on TV land I wish this well had water in it, these kids are stealing all my pennies Focused on my wealth, you can help me wish, but I would rather wish the help of slide I wish, I wish, and every time we drive and it feels just like this I wish, I wish, every time we do it it feels just like this I wish, I wish Every time we love and it, it feels just like this It feels just like this It feels like this it feels like-